Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. The thing that is most impressive about Rutgers' defense is their activity and their ability to get deflections, and it's going to be very important. We can't just drive into a pile and expect to be able to complete passes. We have to come in under control, one less dribble, and make a simple play. Uh, they've got great length across the board, and they make it very difficult on you to score. So it's going to be an important game to take care of it. We have to take care of it early. We can't let them get out and transition and get easy baskets with careless turnovers, and we really have to value the ball our, our first half against Wisconsin that, that was it can't happen like that if we drive in there and expect to be able to make plays and traffic it's it's going to be an ugly game and it's going to get ugly early so just have to take great care of the ball and uh, and hopefully get good shots up on the board every possession Coffee and cream in the morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. He's Damon Benning. I'm Andrew Rogers, and we are live from the H and H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. Happy Tuesday! It, it is not weather-wise anything close to what yesterday was. Uh, it is downpouring outside. I feel like this is the first literal rainfall in a long time. <laughs> it was either just slush, snow, maybe a little ice. Now it's rain, um, and I I'm sorry if I sound a little bit. Disoriented disoriented. this morning. DB had a napkin to his left, and I said, what, do you just write down your notes on a napkin? And he goes, well, it was at the kitchen table, and that's all I could have. (laughs) This is is literally what I'm looking at right now, and I'm trying to decipher what this means. This looks like notes for multiple things, not just one. So you ever just sat there and, like, stuff came to you? Yes, and I write it on my phone in my notes. Well, I was at the dinner table. (laughs) I, my phone's normally in my and pocket. And I normally, so I normally don't write in marker either, but Zoe, but was, so co- <laughs> Zoe was coloring over by dad. the aquarium before dinner. So it the was aquarium the, versus like the just fish the tank. fish tank. The fish tank. <laughs> the yeah, aquarium. it's in a fish tank. <laughs> what do you uh, have, like the Bass Pro Shop Aquarium? Oh, well, yeah, you know, salt water the whole nine. <laughs> it wouldn't shock me if you had a shark. So um, I just, I grabbed what was close while it was on, it was on my head, on my mind. That's. I mean, I mean, the way way your brain works is so funny, though. Okay. Because you work in words, you don't work in sentences. It's total words. That is absolutely one hundred percent true. So I know when I look at it's great. So I know when I look at that exactly what I'm. I have no idea what it means. It looks like I have to. It's like an escape room. I have to figure out how to get out of your head. So, for instance, I have this arrow, right? It says Olsen, Semensky, and Clark. Clark, Canada. Well, I know that Clark is from Canada. He could be in the rotation for Nebraska baseball. These are the guys that I think that will be the best two. One and one A, one B, interchangeable. Um, back end with Perry and Shanneman, probably Buns. Uh, depth, old versus new, right? Because right. a lot of those guys are fifth-year seniors. Um uh, and then this is my 
this is my chemistry and yeah, personality thing point. because I don't think that he really he and Coach Bolt really enjoyed that team last year, trying to meet expectations. So that's right. in a, in a nutshell. But remember, with me, everything you, almost everything you say to me, it's some the way that I remember it is it gets some sort of association. It could be music. It could be something you said to me. Over Christmas break, it could have to do with Emo's Pizza. You know, like when I, th- you were talking about, um, this is, you're going to be like, come on, dude. But you were talking about, I like, say that every day. <laughs> you were talking about um, pop and soda. Yeah. And, and, and how I know what you like and how you were getting it out of the spray gun and you tried like 15 things because it was flat, mm-hmm. right? So what do I think of when I know how you don't like your soda? It's weird, but I think Emo's Pizza. Why? Because, number one, you brought it to me from St. Louis, and it is extremely flat. So that's what you – that's how you connect those two things because it's flat? Yes. Do you know, like, half the state of Nebraska is flat? Well, I – but it's you, so I need to know right. something about – like about what what you? What are you right? trying to say? I'm built like a stop sign or something? No, yes, that. So I I take all the context clues. Believe me, I have the worst study habits of anybody, maybe in the continental U.S. But I did okay in school because of you could my memory and association. Why did DB write all these notes down on a napkin? Well, that's because we will be talking to Will Bolt at eight o'clock today. So when you're yeah, at the dinner the table talking. With all your family, and somebody sparks something in DB's head, he's like, "I should do my notes for Will Bolt." Well, right I now. was I was flustered yesterday because I because you watched UNC just cough another one up. No, but again, how many I've, favorites? I, I've been telling I've been telling people, I've been telling people, and I think people go, "Oh, it's just hyperbole, man." It's DB, but obviously, I pay attention to the conference. Right? They have the worst shot selection of any team in the ACC, not named Florida State. They were 5 of 31 from behind the arc yesterday. Is that good? They shot 16% from three. Armando Baycott shot 80% from the floor. 80-some percent from the floor. And he also got into foul trouble with yeah. like 18 minutes to go in that game. Do you know how many shots he got? Six. They're not going to win like that. So why would you go? F- why would you get out of the rack and be like, ah, you know what, 5 of 31. That's 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 a winning formula, but if at first it doesn't go in, Carolina is shoot and shoot again. Mm-hmm. Leaky Black can't throw it in the ocean, although he has shown spurts. I think Davis, Puff Johnson, uh, Caleb Love drives me absolutely bonkers, right? And this is coming from a guy that just watched Florida State Pitt. That was not aesthetically pleasing offensive basketball this weekend. It was it was grade A trash. But at least Florida State knows who they are, <laughs> right? It's like UNC is a frustrated basketball team, and you man. can tell by the way that they play the their shot selection for one. But defensively, something that stops. I, something that I really notice about teams is when they get when they get away from themselves, they start. They start playing as if it's pickup basketball, yeah. where you're trying to block the stew out of everybody so that you can have some type of moment. It's like when you, when you watch hockey and things aren't going well, you pick a fight mm-hmm. because you're trying to spark the team. Well, you're looking for that big block in basketball, and that's how UNC plays in more times than not in basketball. When a guy is driving to the hoop 
if you jump straight up in the air and swat your arms down, even if you hit part of the ball, you're hitting most of their body of fouls called. That's how they play basketball Listen, defensively. Uh, They're looking for the big block every time. They are a frustrated team. And even though they were a little frustrated last year before they made their run in the tournament, there's no hope that this is even a tournament team at this point. Well, I have a little hope, but I, I argued about this last year. And I and I think people thought I was a little gun-shy to embrace the fact that Carolina was going to be preseason number one. And I said, it's not a very good basketball team. They should not be preseason number one. Uh, DB, just gun-shy, just embrace it, just embrace it. I'm like, look, man, this team was 13-8 and eight last year at one point. They caught lightning in a bottle to make that run to the NCAA Finals. That's not a good basketball team. And over, we're just talking about overtime. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, you know, you get better. You get better with more reps. In my head, I'm like, oh, do you? <laughs> do you? <laughs> because... This team has gotten a ton of reps. They're not better. They're still the same team that they were a year ago, and they're just not making shots. Yeah, basketball, I think, is a little different. No, ex- it actually is not. <laughs> I, think, I think it's a little more individualized <laughs> it, to you because you're worried about you the whole time, whereas basketball, you've got to be worried about, hey, how, no, how is all foot, five but, moving but, on Yeah, the but football is the ultimate team game, so that's kind of backwards. It, it is, but the way I'm looking at this is, for one, to take a tackle, take a quarterback, whatever. The Take quarterback has a lot to worry about, yeah, right? Yeah. But the tackle, you have like two things to worry about. It's the guy in front of you and maybe some, some movement shifting on the line. Unless guys are asking way. how to get lined up every, and, every yeah, five minutes, which was a funny example right. that Marcus Satterfield gave at the uh, coaches' clinic. He was talking about a clean mind when coaches – because, of course, nobody really asked him any questions, which I was kind of bummed. But it, but it, but did they did they get the uh, the skittish grade schooler? No, I don't. Them? I don't think so because there's a there was a lot of smart. I th- some like, yeah. There's fair. There's enough smart guys in there. But here, his jargon and the verbiage that they use is wasn't familiar to everybody. Even though. I think they were grasping the concepts. I'll tell you what, though. You put a lot of smart guys in a room, which that was. That would give probably me a little bit of anxiety to ask a question that, like, oh, am I going to be judged by my peers? Even though you never are. Yeah, my dumb butt asked a question. Well, you're a question guy. I'm a question guy, too, but it it doesn't mean I won't have a little anxiety. It was basic, though, right? Because I know know some of the backstories um, between Satterfield and – and Rattler mm-hmm. and Satterfield's affinity for Rattler for a multitude of reasons, but the offense took some time to learn. So just I just it was a softball early. I was like, hey, listen, you've got all this going on with these concepts. What kind of temperament? What kind of mindset? I can't remember the word I used. I said learn. I said, uh, I don't know. I said, what kind of mind does? A, a, your quarterback have to have to execute this kind of offense? Total cheat code question because, I, number one, I want to know, okay, does this fit with Casey? Does this fit with what I think of Sims? Does this fit with what I think of potentially Dylan Rayola down the line? So I'm asking the question for that way, but it's also to calm the nerves of the, the my coaching brethren in case they feel like this is a lot of football mm-hmm. jargon. It's a lot of and we don't use these words 
So I want the concepts. Hey, is this curl flat concept? Is this, are we talking about over routes or, or whatever? And there's just some weird things that click with me right away. So Kansas City ran a concept the exact same play that he drew up. So when I saw it, I was like, shoot, McKinnon should have scored on that. That was the slither concept. Slither is going back door, so you kind of slither out the Mm -hmm. back gate, and it goes against man coverage. And, again, listen, we don't hang out. We don't talk like that. But what I do, picked up my phone, like, you know, a good good stalker would. I go, uh, go, hey, kind of weird. Just recognize that Kansas City just ran that slither concept. McKinnon should have scored. That would have been points. He said you nailed it. I'm like, that's how my mind works. Well, tell me this, because what intrigued me, and I'm assuming it intrigued the listeners out there, too, if it intrigued me. Total rain man. Right. Totally. Uh, But when you asked that question about his affinity, because you knew about his affinity for Rattler and where that kind of derives from. Yeah. When he gave you his answer, mm-hmm. it was what long, traits did it fit? It did it, was, did it, was, it fit Casey? Did it, it was, fit Sims? It was, or did it fit somebody else? It was a long one. Great qu- Hey, fantastic question because it was a long one, right? Because what I want to know is what took so long for it to click, <laughs> right? South Carolina. It, yeah, it, it took like, what, six weeks? But I didn't – no longer than that. And I didn't want to say what took so long, Right? And so I, I asked, we're, we're just sitting in the coach's office. It's really just, no, I think I had one other, I think our OC was in there. I think Coach Sikora was in there. And, and uh, he was just talking about your ability to want to continually get better every day and process information. You have to be a grinder. You have to be com- competitive. But here's the thing that stuck out to me. He said he basically intimated that you have to be able to take constructive criticism because he coaches hard that's what why did that particular information stick with me because we talk about this all the time how come when i say something to you and it should be edifying or 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 build you up i listen i i want the best for you i should be able to say this but we don't receive it very well right it's like <laughs> Uh, oh, you, oh, oh, he's attacking me. Right, 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 right. See, I remember this. This, this is true, right? We, we're family, right? We're vulnerable. I remember some of my biggest critics early on. It was always two things. Number one, I didn't have enough conviction and an opinion, right? Because former player, you don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to say, "Hey, man, I shoot." I, you know, I think such and such is better than such and such, right? So I didn't really do that. Kugler got on me about that. The other one is, is I had to learn to be a good interviewer because some people didn't like my questions. So I'm like, eh, man, these guys just, uh. So then I had to go back and reevaluate. Hey, listen, okay, what should I do here? Then became a better question asker where you know people say, oh, that's a good question, or... You know, if you can, if you can spark thought, because I think it was gonna get me. I think it's gonna get me better. Now it's hard to hear in the moment, right? 
Hey, man, land a plane, bro. <gasps> I did answer the question. I said. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> what? Why are you laughing? Is this not me? You could be, you could be a character in a movie. <laughs> Dude, I totally go into character mode. So anyway, I say that to say. You sounded like the water boy. That's where. <laughs> anyway. But Mama said. Stop. Mama says alligators are angry because they got one, all them. One, teeth of, one of my favorite crush. players ever, Cole Haberman. Oh, I thought you were going to say Bobby Boucher. We had a, we had a, we had a funny back and forth uh, coaching him a couple years ago. God, that kid played hard. But. I think that's how this staff is going to be. I really do. Constructive criticism? Yes. Because all they, they always talk about accountability and ownership. Well, and the willingness to learn, that is something that they say a lot too. Yeah, because listen, you're talking about a coach that stood up there in front of other coaches and he said, hey, listen, if you don't like what I'm doing, tell me about it and I'll see what we can work on to get better. If you don't like my clinic or this isn't what you want to see, let me know. And immediately. He doesn't just preach it. No. It, and you're in with people that you may or may not be the smartest guy in the room. There are some bright minds in there, so I'm not going to assume that. But just to, to bring it down to that level to teach, if he's willing to say that out loud and have it be about himself, then you better be able to receive it too as a player. You, you see Campbell in the weight room? You better be able to take some constructive criticism. He, he intimated exactly what you need to know. We've seen some of the clips, and Jessica Cootie had a fantastic interview with Campbell on Husker Sports Nightly, and it kind of gave you a glimpse into his personality. And like a lot of strength and conditioning coaches, there's, you know, you go in there, you better not be hiding in a corner when right. it cheat drills, right, because they'll, they'll figure it out. Oh, but they have eyes in the back of their right? head. If you're messing around, but, but, they but know what about it, it. But what did Coach Rule say about Coach Campbell, he's like, yeah, you know, he's got this ability to – he's going to be on you. He's going to be fair. He's going to be firm. He's, you know. He also kind of alluded. But to he's going to build you up at the same time. And I'm like, insert staff member, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that's how – I think that's how they – because he wants discipline. He, he wants that program to be disciplined, to have a regimen. So you have to be able to receive – you have to be able to receive criticism. He also alluded to the fact that, hey, you know, things start and end in the weight room, at least right now. Uh, well, and so Coach Campbell, he, he's no, kind of like no question. He's kind of like the top of the top of the chart right now. Like, hey, he'll pass along anything, and if you want to be here, he'll let me know you want to be here. If you yeah. don't want to be here, like this is a competition right now. The, there's a reason the roster is, you know, 150 players deep or whatever it's actually going to be. Like, there's a reason for that because you're trying to wean out the ones that don't want to be here. And remember, go back to the very beginning when they said, hey. When he was, Coach Rule was kind of talking about the staff, and he was describing. Hey. We, what's up, D.C.? We were describing. And uh, they're hot. Yeah, that's Dirk. Dirk had a great tweet at the Super Bowl about the officiating. I, well, I meant to reply, and it got away from me. But anyway. No. Squirrel. Um, Hi there. <laughs> where, where do we go? Which way? Which way? Uh, so stop doing that to me I just, i'm playing along <laughs> remember when they talked about um ownership and and wanting to be better and why they were here and familiarity with one another 
they're kind of modeling the behavior because I told you the great line from the clinic where Coach Satterfield said, I don't even know why I put this clip in here because it's a should have, would have concept. And like Coach Rule says, the more you say would have, could have, should have, at some point that means you can't coach. <laughs> Just to say that out loud, like if, I, if I'm sitting here telling you what a guy should have done and I'm coaching him, well, he should have done this, and I don't know why he did that. Yeah, eventually it's a me problem, right? Mm-hmm. Like I need to figure that out. Like I've got to be better at, at, at teaching that information. It's, it's, I told you, I gave the line about Mike Tomlin. Why, I, I love Mike Tomlin for a multitude of reasons. The standard is the stand. He's got all the great philosophies right my man one day said yeah you know all these people these gms these scouts will come to me and they'll say oh or i'll get a player in free agency because he's very selective about free agency that's not what the steelers do right and he's well you know this player does this or he has he's kind of slow to learn or he he goes that's not a player problem that's a coaching problem right like it's up to us, which is why they loved high school coaches because he called high school coaches the last line of defense and he has an affinity for those guys because they coach who they have to, not who they want to. And I'm like, he's telling you guys everything you need to hear. If you can't make yourself vulnerable and be authentic, this isn't going to be for you. What do all winning coaches have in common? Well, they're very principled for one. Bang. They set a standard. <laughs> right? I didn't know. Why that. is Mike Tomlin Air as depth? successful as he is? The standard because is the standard. of a standard. The the Steelers should not have been nine as eight. productive as they were this Completely year. I agree. At all. But why are they nine and eight? Because of the standard Mike Tomlin sets. Why? They had to go four and over their last four, by the way. They, to get there. Right. They were five and eight. What happens when you set a standard, though, DB? You get there yeah. because there's that – it's not just an expectation anymore. It's a, no, this is how it's done. And it, it, it's going to be how it's done for years and years to come. There's a standard being set with Nebraska right now. And that standard is come in with your head screwed on straight, have a desire to learn, a desire to be educated, come in with a little competitive fire – because it's not going to be easy, but hey, guess what? The end goal is worth it. Do you know why I think Nebraska baseball, and I'm not going out on a limb here because they grossly underachieved a year ago, why they'll be significantly better than a year ago? Because the standard will be the standard. (laughs) Coach, I've never seen a coach talk more about chemistry, blend, and personalities more than this staff has out loud. And knowing a handful of those guys, the players, the camaraderie and, and hanging out with one another, and, and like that was the number one thing in the offseason was personality types. They're good. They got a ton of talent, as we'll go through, and they got mm-hmm. a lot of options. But the modeled behavior of hanging out with one another, getting along with one another, Loving on one another where I can tell you something and it's and it's good for your soul because I care about you. If you're like, man, DB, I, I don't know, man. Those earrings. Uh, I would know that you're coming from a place of love because of the interactions that we've had. I would not think. Yeah, I don't know why you wear those big hoops. Right. I would not think that you're just telling me that to be telling me that. Like, I would genuinely think you care because of the model behavior. 
right? Hey, can I do anything for you? Hey, here's a care package for Zoe. Uh, hey, I'm going to drop this off. Hey, I'm going to bring you some back from St. Louis. See, all those things let me know when you correct me, it's coming from a place of love because you have sweat equity. Sweat equity. Write that down on the wall. What? Sweat equity. That is <laughs> sweet. Who are we, Deion yeah. Sanders? Yeah, we are. By the way, right does that guy need any more land for that house? <laughs> yes. What the world? Yeah, it's not enough. It's never <laughs> enough for that guy. <laughs> hey, when we come back, I want to get to our poll question of the day. It's a fun one, but we'll also set up the show. Stick around. It's Coffee and Cream. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coffee and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Hey, welcome back to the show. 888-638-4876. If you'd like to get involved in any way, no matter the conversation, give us a call. It's Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. We are live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. He's Damon Benning. I'm Andrew Rogers. And let's get to our poll question of the day because we hardly got into the... The non-football yesterday. There is so much we didn't get to. During the Super Bowl. And our poll question is this. Which beer commercial was your favorite during the Super Bowl? Was it the Bud Light on Hold commercial? Was it Blue Moons, Miller versus Coors? Was it Sam Adams, A Brighter Boston? Or was it Michelob Ultra's Caddyshack tribute? Right there. Out of those four commercials, DB, because I took probably the four best beer commercials. I know that there was a Bush Light one that was kind of funny when Sarah McLaughlin popped on. And it was like, ah, wrong shelter. arms of the angel. Can I do that voice? Sure can. My buddy Aaron was like. Buried it, too. My buddy Aaron was like, don't ever do that voice again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that voice was five of 31. (laughs) Who asked you? (laughs) It's my man just chimes in like Big Ben over there. Like nobody, nobody asked you. I wonder which voice he was talking about. Was like it Big Ben Bishop or what? It was it was the Water Boy. How voice do you know? For could have sure. been it. Could have been it. For sure. Oh, yeah, lock, lock stock. <laughs> for sure. Minus three thousand. Uh, for me, it was easy. Out of those four, I have mine. Blue Moon. Same. Same. Right away when I saw I, it. I, I thought it was like only one of the three decent commercials. I thought, for at, for some reason, I thought, and maybe this is the case and I'm just not as well cultured into beer. <laughs> I'm just not cultured. <laughs> what are you doing with your hands? Because you act like you were convulsing. You're like, oh, maybe I just know. <laughs> well, I'm using my hands to direct what I am saying. Good night. Let me stop. At one point, I thought, are Miller and Coors owned by the same company? <laughs> because it was a commercial together. And I'm like, oh, maybe it's a battle of, like, a hey, Miller's better. No, Coors is better. No, Miller. And then it's like, I'll have a Blue Moon. And that's it. They didn't say anything about Blue Moon other than at the end of the commercial, yeah, Blue Moon's this better. Is a blue, yeah, this is a Blue Moon commercial. Uh-huh. So, and the subtleness, 
was why people gravitated to that commercial. You understand marketing. You probably watch way more commercials than I do. Isn't it crazy how, I don't know how long, somebody, this is where, Michael Severe hit us up because he's the commercial guy. When did they start cross, when did they start saying other products in people's commercials? Because remember, that used to be blasphemy. Mm -hmm. But then the burger people started doing it, right, Shane? Like McDonald's would reference Burger King. Or or it was like the Chick-fil-A versus... um, and what, yeah, what, any like, fast food because yeah. you eat more chicken. So when did that house? Because recently, people, people always talk about you know within the last decade, whose whose name you're not supposed to say on the radio and blah blah blah. I, I don't listen. I don't care about any competition. Sus- like, I'm competitive, subscribe. and so if I want to say somebody's name, I'm just going to say their name, right? Mm-hmm. And I, that's how I think it. I don't think that's advertising. You know, a lot of people are like, "Ooh, you know by." By adding this in, you're giving them some free love because people are seeing it. And it's like, but that's not how the brain works. The brain doesn't (laughs) take in that information as if, oh, I'm going to go to McDonald's because I see them in this commercial. The brain works. No. How does the brain work? What is the brain like? The brain likes, what do we like? We like a good ending, right? We like something. That is typically what we remember. Right. The very end. If you're watching a movie and you get to the end, either you're going to hate the ending or you're going to love the ending, or Shane, in this case. Happy ending. Happy. <laughs> Stop. No, I just meant like he likes a nice story. Oh, okay. What? No big deal. I'm with you. I guess. Yeah, he actually isn't. <laughs> so, as I come back. But you know what I get my previous point. But you know what I get? Medulla oblongata medulla works fast. Oblongata. It, works, it works fast, man. But you you know what keep I get up told all the me. time? What's that? It's no big deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. I like that one more. <laughs> anyway, we like endings. So in commercials, you remember the thing at the end because after the whole story is done, when what you take away is what happens at the end. Yeah, this is why we're mad at the Super Bowl. It's a fantastic game, but we're like we're seriously crying in our Cheerios because we didn't like the ending. The, the, conversely, a terrible Super Bowl, Arizona and the Steelers had a good ending, <laughs> so it gets run. There were three good plays in that. Fitzgerald running like one leg was shorter than the other, <laughs> housing it. <laughs> James Harrison rumbling before the half, and Santonio Holmes toe tap from Roethlisberger's dot. Those are the three plays we remember in an otherwise uneventful game. But it had a great ending. Mm-hmm. People like the ends. Yeah. It, why? Why do people like the 2015 Super Bowl? Because Russell Wilson should not have thrown a pass. That's right. Right. Yeah. Malcolm Butler got paid though. Which that was actually the highest. Uh, highest watch Super Bowl why, of why, all time. Why did I hate the watcher? Because the ending was yes. brutal. Yeah, Bur- and I added I'm a lot still of mad at you syllables that. into that because it was brutal. I'm pretty sure you could have forewarned your boy. I did. I said you're going to hate it. <laughs> so, but you know what? Full disclosure: me, I told DB. Do you know what kept me in it ending. though? Is Coach Lamanji was so like because so, I got him so don't, started. Don't place blame on me. Don't blame. <laughs> don't blame. Don't blame Drew. So blame. But coach. two of my coaches, Coach Williams, Coach Lamanji, they're like, "Oh, the Watcher, man! I binged it." And I was like, "Oh, only seven episodes or six or seven episodes." I got the, 
I got the uh, attention span. Nice. I can't think of the word. <laughs> I got the attention span for six or seven episodes. I didn't know if you were going to go recall. Or Dude, what. I am a total problem child. And it was terrible. And I wanted to call you, it but it was good. like 4.30 or 5.15 on a Sunday morning. And I was like, I should wake him up and tell him just how mad I am at this. Andrew? <laughs> I like, got something to say. Like, did she see him drive off through the neighborhood when she comes back to look at the house? That's what Was I always lying say. about. I'm like, how do you not know each other's cars? I think he had turned the corner, though. Has he? I don't know. It's creepy. It's like, if you haven't seen The Watcher, don't watch it because I'm, I'm going to spoil it right now. No, 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 don't do it. Why? Because it's been it, out for so long. Yeah, but there are people like me. Like, I just. There are some things that I just got into that have like twenty. Turn off your radio if you don't want to hear this. <laughs> Turn off the radio. The infatuation over a a house. I am the watcher. A big house is. I, I, have, I have noticed you making changes to the home. I am the watcher. It's Kermit the Frog. It's like, who is this dude? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what he says. The infatuation though. over a house is sounds more like Marvin the Martian. I, 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 I don't. I don't even know. I don't. There, you don't recognize what we're doing. What? What? Your voice <laughs> or the house? <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Touche. Drew down. Touche. I, I just don't get the. I don't know the all inness on loving a house more than anything else and that's kind of like the plot of the story but what really ticked me off was the fact that it wasn't even based on the house <laughs> right yeah like the hey, house that they showed in the he, show was 10 uh, times the Jay house was that like it scrolling through is. fact versus fiction i mean she just ran through the laundry list of what was going on well this was true this was not true and i'm like i, I don't like it even more you know i just was looking for a, a movie for uh and i told we were going to have mornings with micah but I was looking. He likes the Batman, the one that just came out. Yeah, when can we do that? Well, really, anytime. Like he's all in. He said something yesterday in the kitchen. I couldn't. Oh, he is talking about his brother. <laughs> just deadpan, straight face. He goes, "Man, you know what? I, I'm not. I'm just saying. I, I'm just saying. He he has a real problem taking accountability." <laughs> Like he's 50. Your kids have no problem saying something about the about other. About the other. About the other. Because over the weekend, I was talking with, with Jenny, and Zoe was uh, like over, like she was just listening, like, yeah. and she's doing her little twirls on the concourse at, she's at wild, the Heartland man. Event Center. And out of nowhere, Micah's bad. <laughs> <laughs> and Jenny's like, Micah's not bad. Micah's so bad. <laughs> They have oh, no trouble saying it. The minute they walk through the door, she like she's like breezy because that's what we call Micah. You know, Caleb Islam. It's just like just to watch them go back and forth. It's uh, it's comedy. It is your comedy. life is a comedy. It you is. are a sitcom. I am a I'm my very own sitcom. And <laughs> we did another you segment Jerry. without setting the line up. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Shane. Glad Two we segments got, in. Glad we got the third hour. Hey. But you're getting to know us, right? That's right. why we're so personable, right? Or, or something. Something. Maybe yeah. we're entertaining, are or you, maybe we're just wild. Are, are you <laughs> not entertained? <laughs> hey, when we come back, uh, I, I want to bring up a prompt that uh, I I read via an article, and then it made me think of something else. So stick around for that. We'll be back. 
Coffee and Cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Hey, the first two segments, you never know what you're going to get. But hey, I'll tell you about the last ones. We have Will Bolt coming up at 8 o'clock. At 8.30, we're talking to Mitch Sherman. At 8.45, Joel Lorenzi, Creighton beat writer for the Omaha World Herald. And then at 9 o'clock, yesterday we started with the AL, as pitchers and catchers reported. We will move to the NL and... Uh, Touch on touch on those teams. We'll have a little long. We'll have a little more time to break that down. Um, so we'll add in uh, maybe we'll further the conversation on baseball, like the way too early World Series predictions, things like that. Um, and then at nine forty-five, we're talking to Ron Higdon, assistant director of the NSAA, and uh, we are talking state championship wrestling to close out the show so there you have it db the lineup is set now we can talk about uh, other things again so, so real quick <laughs> just to keep touching on those commercials my man asian wyatt he said and he's right that uh pepsi would regularly say that they beat coke and my buddy uh scrappy swan Corey reminded me that in the 80s there was the fast food wars with BK, have you, it you, your way. You would say McDonald's. I used to say McDonald's. I was quickly corrected that that was a cultural thing. So I'll go with McDonald's to keep it standard. Sounds great. I would not have corrected you <laughs> with, if you wanted to call w- it McDonald's. W- whatever. W W B D. What would Barry do if you came home and you said, "Dad, could we have some McDonald's?" And he, first of all, he'd look at you and you'd say, "Mac who?" Yeah. And then he'd say, "No, yeah. we're not. We're not spending money on that trash." Although we used to every Young morning. Andrew, do you know how many preservatives are in McDonald's? <laughs> we are not having McDonald's, Andrew. You're going to ruin your perfectly God-gifted frame. You are a uh, you are a healthy six foot, one hundred and twenty-two pounds. We are not going to put an hey, ounce of fat on I you. I got to tell you, I've have, I have some core memories at McDonald's. My first one Sunday, Andrew. Every do Sunday, do not mix your peas with your green beans, son. But, Dad. Andrew, do as you're told. No, finish your dinner. <laughs> That's it. You will sit there and you will like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. Here's Andrew. <laughs> so, anyway, on Sundays we used to ride our bike to McDonald's yeah. uh, for breakfast. But then there was another. This is like my biggest Wait, core did memory you eat it with there? my dad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we would ride, okay. Okay. eat, and then ride back. Okay. So you burn your calories, Of right? course. WWBD. <laughs> right. And then... We went to, so my dad purchased a lake house like 15. Hey, did you guys hear that? 17 years ago. <laughs> did you guys hear that? Old Andrew with the lake house. <laughs> Hold on, let me put my pinky up when I tell the story. <laughs> oh, getting to know you. Where's my cigar? <laughs> no, so. Purchased our lake house. <laughs> He, we would always good, we man. would always turn off the water and turn it back on every time we left, because we weren't there uh, throughout the winter normally, and then uh, you know even in the summer months we would leave just so that the water wasn't running. Uh, it turned out to be a bad idea in the winter because my dad and I got to the lake. We, we were going to do yard work that day. Oh, that, you had to do work, dude. I was dreading yard work. Oh no, <laughs> that that was that was Phil that was doing our <laughs> yard. <laughs> Uh, no, so we were going to go rake leaves and, and burn the leaves. And we get down there, turn on the water, 
and we are walking to the house, and I kid you not, water is flowing out of the front of the house, like through the walls. <laughs> Some expletives were said, turn off the water. Turn off. So I'm going back with this, this, uh, this wrench to try to turn it off. Wait a second. Does your dad cuss? Oh, like when, a when sailor. Things, when things are wrong, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like in that moment, there were some there were some words. Ba- Barry's let you have it. And so we turned off the water, and the whole bottom floor had probably an inch or two of water. And so, of course, we had to dry everything up, take towels, everything. We had, you know, people come out, fans the, blowing, things the, like the, that. The lake house Where this inside. is going, well, we ended up, because we didn't get to do any raking of the leaves, we didn't get to eat anything throughout the day, so we stopped at McDonald's on the way home. That's what I remember from this whole story. McDonald's. Man. Oh, man, McDonald's. That's my spot. McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. McDarrell's. Zoe's, that's, Zoe, that's Zoe's pancake spot. And chicken nuggets. Hey, you know what? Let me push off this next point. The other thing I want to bring up, too, about the Super Bowl uh, was Rihanna's halftime show. Because we didn't even get into that yesterday. Shame. And I, and I told to you this. And, and I don't know if you were about to smack me or no, if, no, if no. you just looked at me as if I showed up without a shirt on. Um, but I had said I kind of made a bold claim that Rihanna's halftime was better than Beyonce's. And you were like, wait, 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 wait. Say that again real slow for our listeners out there. Because you were really trying to make this case. I said I liked Rihanna's halftime more than I liked Beyonce's. And I think there's, of course, recency bias plays into everything. Beyonce did it in what, 10 years ago? Mm -hmm. Something like that. 2013, I think it was. Somebody date me on that. Tell me if it was 2013. Because if it is. I guarantee you Twitter will know. Upstairs. Yeah, we good Beyonce and Rihanna. <laughs> so uh, the reason I said I liked Rihanna's, though, was there was more singing than dancing, and I liked I, I like her music more than I liked Beyonce's. Now, this is me, and the reason I also like a lot of her stuff is— You like whose music more? Rihanna's. Oh, okay. I like Rihanna's music more, so because of all those things, it, it, it took me back to when I was in, like, middle school. A lot of those songs that she said, like, I shouldn't say a lot. All in the lights, right? That's the song everybody warmed up to growing yeah, up. I, and so, like, for me, it, it just brought me back to a nostalgic place. And that's why I loved it. Plus, you know, in 2013, I'll tell you this, DB. I was in sixth grade, seventh grade maybe. I, prob- I didn't appreciate the halftime show like I do now. So it, maybe it's a little unfair to say that, but I thought her performance was awesome. Yeah, I'm a... So outside of the spell that the voodoo woman named Helen to land the plane with the water boy. 2013? <laughs> I would have been a but, sophomore in high school. Just outside of the voodoo woman named Helen, which is kind of how I used to think of Rihanna because, of course, she sent Matt Kim's career into the toilet. I've told you this story. Her songs are fantastic. Who's Matt Kim? Wash your mouth down again, man. Her songs are fantastic. Like, she did a deal where she collabed with Eminem for the Grammys, and then shortly thereafter, Skylar Gray came out, and they did I Need a Doctor. But um, Eminem and Rihanna did their little spiel first, and I I think she's a fantastic musician. Take a bow. Uh, like, 
How about a round of applause? I like Rihanna a ton. I tried to convey to Micah, because he's fresh off of school. He gets in the car. We miss mornings with Micah. First of all, he's doing what all little guys and gals do when they pick the low-hanging fruit. He's telling me what a terrible call that was to end the Super Bowl. So, of course, I'm furious, right? This is, kid, you don't <laughs> think like this. Poor kid has no idea that I'm nuts, oh, right? Man. W-W-D-D. So, <laughs> right? So, I'm, so, I'm, so I'm, I'm getting into him about that, right? Then he proceeds to tell me, in that Super Bowl performance, oh, my gosh. I couldn't believe, like, she just didn't do anything. I said, Breeze, she's five months pregnant. She's so 150 impressive. feet up on a scaffold. He said, Dad, this is so Micah. I wanted to wring his neck, but it's, it's mm-hmm. how he thinks. He, Dad, if, if that was minimum effort, then, then just don't do it. Don't do it. Aren't you, a, aren't you an effort guy? Aren't you an effort guy? Uh-oh. Hey. Uh-oh. I'm in the kitchen. It just got home. Hey, you know what? I actually would – I would play devil's advocate and say, how much more effort do you need than no, standing on that stage five I had, months so pregnant? I, so I had to – I had to whip it. <laughs> I had to whip it. You had that answer. It I could have to, been a little bit better, though. Oh, stop it. your mouth. Stop it. I had to hey, whip it around. You know what? You know what it was? How many times do she I – She didn't t- need to do with belly rolls or – I'm not talking about I, anything like that. Jay-Z was there. He could have came out and done the last song with her. See, yeah, but see, stuff I I enjoyed her being a headliner and like being the only person there. But listen, so I had to I had to flip it around, like at the dinner table in Boomerang, whip it, bang, cool whip. He, I said, we talk all the time about what you're seventy percent like. You're not always going to feel great. Can you function at this percent? That's basically Rihanna functioning at this percent. I was trying to Jedi mind trick my man. He and he's giving me that look right there, nodding. Yeah, okay. You know I love Micah. Yeah, okay. And I don't even know Micah, but Micah, let me tell you, buddy. <laughs> let me tell you. You're gonna hate to imagine. Imagine what pregnant women go through just on. I can't. The regular. I can't. They have cravings. They have headaches. They get tired. They get nauseous. And she. She put all those in the back of her mind and said, I'm going to do the Super Bowl for performance. If that doesn't show me that she's putting in 110% effort, <laughs> I don't know what does. Uh, I, I just... I, I what, if, what if she would have done the interview at the end there? You know, when Strahan was trying to get to her? Michael Strahan? Mm-hmm. Well, she just navigated through his teeth. What? <laughs> so, like, really... <laughs> Can I say something about commercials before we actually get to sports at some point? Uh, am I the only one that thinks that John Travolta really can't sing? Like, how did, of all the things that John Travolta has been through, how did he get a Super Bowl commercial reenacting Grease? Because Grease is the one, the iconic film. I mean, did did we not do? So we just going to act like that commercial didn't happen? I was thinking if you put some glasses on him, he kind of looks like Mike Sauter just a little bit. <laughs> really? Sands 220 pounds. <laughs> I can't wait till we bring that up with Sauter this Friday. Oh, yeah. Bald head goatee, man. They all look like Sauter. <laughs> Will Bolt's next.
Coffee and Cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. The landscape has changed immensely in the last few years, and um, it's been a little fluid um, as to you know, how everything was going to be navigated with the transfer portal and now NIL. And we wanted to try to get as much information as possible. Uh, there's a lot of, of good opportunities out there for our players. And I think just having a partnership is going to be outstanding for our guys. Um, we have a lot of great supporters out there in the community uh, that, that love Husker baseball. And, um, you know, it's, it's just going to be a great thing for our players. I mean, I, I couldn't I just – the opportunities that they're going to have due to this type of partnership, um, it's going to be awesome. It's stuff that, you know, you look back as a former college athlete and, you know, you wish that you had those type of opportunities. So um, anything that these guys can have to help out, um, it's going to be it's going to be great. Hey, college baseball kicks off this week and there's only one thing to do. When that happens, it's to talk to every coach in the area about their season, their team, and what the expectation Two guys that is. Love baseball. This These is very are fun. This is a baseball show, right? That, or maybe it's a pop culture show. Maybe it's just I'm a terrible sh- with maybe pop it's culture. a show about five year olds play baseball. Yeah, I don't. We can play baseball. I don't know how how well can we talk baseball, but I know who can talk baseball. That's Will Bolt. He's on the line right now. Coach Bolt, head baseball coach at Nebraska. Coach, good morning. Hey, good morning, fellas. Thanks for having me. Coach, always good to talk to you, man. A dose of reality in the morning is going to take me a long way because I know we'll get it with you, man. How you been? Hey, I've been great, man. It's uh, it's been a long time coming to get this uh, this season revved up. A lot of a lot of hard work put in, really, since last May um, to try to get uh, get off on the right foot and and uh, you know have a season that that you know, reaches the expectations that, no, you know, nobody's going to have any higher ones than the ones we have inside our program. So re- ready to get going. Coach, you're such a straight shooter, uh, and you always have been. It's how you played the game, how you've been raised. What you see is what you get. And we speculated last year during that season, ah, I don't know if this is a coach a coach Bolt kind of team. Eh? You're, you're a camaraderie, a chemistry, a got-to-love-baseball guy. And then it's kind of confirmed in the offseason listening to you talk. It has been fantastic. Culture, getting along, guys that love to play. Uh, we've got some experience now. We want to get back to, to being dedicated to the game. I mean, you're basically telling us <laughs> what we kind of intimated. Uh, last year was a struggle. This year is about that C word that sometimes we hate to talk about, and that's culture. <clears throat> Yeah, <clears throat> I think there was a lot that maybe played into that. Um, <clears throat> you know, belief in college baseball <clears throat> comes from what you can do from the sixth inning on. I mean, it, on the mound. And that, that's that's really where it starts and ends. And, and last year's team, <clears throat> you know, we had, we had some guys that went down early that were going to be big parts of that sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth inning recipe for us. Uh, you know, Jake Buns was a big part of that. Um, you know, Colby Gomez was our closer. He didn't throw yeah. past the third weekend of the year. Um, so we had to shuffle some things around that way. And and that team last year was honestly, we knew it was going to be a bit of a struggle offensively at times. Um, but we felt like it was built 
from the back end of the bullpen forward. And when we kind of, when some of those guys went down, it, it, it became, um, you know, that belief factor just that when you you lose some of those games late, and I think we had 29 of them yeah. um, that, that we played that were one or two run games. And a lot of those we had leads in at some point in the game and just, you know, we weren't able to hold or weren't able to finish. So, you know, I, I would start there, honestly. And, you know, and it, again, it speaks to why you have to have depth. Um, you know, you can't have a season derailed by a couple of arms going down, um, you know, maybe a, a couple of key losses um, from the year prior. You, you've got to be able to to reload. Um, <clears throat> so there, there was probably a lot of factors that went into that, but, yeah, I, w- I would say just in terms of the day-to-day expectations, it was a bit of a, um, it was a bit of a struggle <laughs> from yeah. from time to time with the group, the group that we had last year. But it, you know, it's not. <clears throat> it, it was a. It wasn't a a player thing. You know, I look at it. I, I'm the leader of the program. Like we've got to get that part of it fixed. And so that was the focus in the off season with my coaches, myself, um, just having conversations with guys that. We're dedicated to to coming back and, and getting it turned around, um, you know, all encompassing to, to figure out what we need to do. So, you know, I feel like we're in a good spot just in terms of all those things you said. I mean, the, the culture piece is such a big deal, yeah. um, you know, for, and for us as coaches, like we're hard nosed guys. We're we're guys that, like you said, I'm a straight shooter. You know, my staff is full of straight shooters. We're we're guys that our expectations are going to be very very high. And, you know, you better love baseball. You know, you better, you better be a guy that, <laughs> you know, you, you want to compete. <clears throat> you, you welcome the, the privilege that the pressure is that, to be a great team and a great program. And so, yeah, I, I feel like this group of guys, you know, we've got 11 guys back that, that played on the championship team in 21. Um, we've got some fifth-year guys back, which this day and age of college sports is massive. Right. Um, and I didn't know that we would get those guys back, but man, they're going to make a huge difference on our team. Um, and then, you know, bringing in, you know, maybe a little bit smaller high school class this year and, and sprinkle in more junior college players. And I think you've just got a, you've got a good mix of guys that, that want to go throw down. Coach, when DB set you up with that C word, I was hoping he was going to say crushing baseballs or something like that. Uh, but uh, let's, let's talk about another C word in regards to captains on this team because you mentioned those fifth-year players. Four out of the five captains are fifth-year guys. How big is it to have those guys back for one? Go more into that detail. And what value do they bring leading this team aside from just their age and experience? Yeah, it's it's interesting when you get to kind of the the last act of your career potentially. Um, the things that maybe you thought were important in the past, or things that you worried about in the past, uh, kind of go by the wayside, um, and and you really just start to. And it, this is natural. This is a, it's a natural thing to have happen. You just kind of start to focus on okay, your whole focus is on the team, and and it just and it's just by nature because you just you soak up every single last element of every day that you ha- are on the field or you're, you know, in the weight room. Cause you're just like, man, this could be it for me. I could be, I could be working a full-time job here in six months. Mm. You know, I'm going to, 
I'm going to make sure I give everything I have um, <laughs> if this is my last act. And so I think just by nature that that happens organically with, with guys as they get to that part of their career. Um, but they, these guys have seen it all. They, they've seen a team, you know, two years ago that was a, a regional worthy host, which is ultimately what we talk about being our number one goal every year. You know, we want to win a national championship. Absolutely. You know, we want to win a big 10 conference championship. Absolutely. Um, but we want to host a regional. We want to make sure that we have a chance to play in front of our fans in the postseason, And that will give us a, a, an opportunity to set up to, to reach the other goals that we have. So they've seen that they've been part of a championship team, a championship mentality group that at every turn, every opportunity that that team had, they, they relished that, that moment. And so they were part of that. And they were part of a group last year that, you know, there was a lot of ups and downs. So they've seen a lot, you know, those, those fifth year guys have seen a lot. And, and most all those guys, um, you know, I guess a couple of them are from Nebraska. Most of them played junior college baseball. So they've seen a lot of different things. Um, and, and it's just, it's just amazing how much more mature you are at age 23 than you are at age 18 or 19. It just, it's just kind of by nature, that's what happens. So, uh, those guys are great communicators by the time they get to that, that part of their careers. Um, you know, they're, they're just all about the team and, uh, they really help set the tone uh, for the rest of the group. Coach, you started, you're talking about building from the back end, and you referenced Buns being healthy, Perry's healthy. So you got Buns and Perry and, and Shanneman, of course, on the back end. That's fantastic. Right? You, got, you got some quality things that you could do on the back end. But how about your versatility with your front line, guys? But with Garza and Brockett, they're interchangeable, but you could go Olsen, Siminsko, Clark. You, you have a lot of different guys that have played multiple roles that give you some flexibility Friday through Sunday with some electric arms. Yeah, I think that's one thing that is going to probably stand out with this with this pitching staff is the 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 uptick and stuff just across the board uh with, with this group um and, and they <clears throat> and you said it like we when we go recruit pitchers, we don't we don't just go get the six foot three, hundred and eighty pound guy that's a prospect. You know, that those guys are great. Um, but you also have to have a good mix of left handers. You've got to have, you know, a good mix of guys that, that maybe their breaking ball is their best pitch or, you know, they've got good movement and good sinking action on the fastball. I, I think you're gonna see the stuff better in terms of velocity across the board, uh, with this group. But yeah, the, the versatility piece is big, and there's a lot of guys that have played a lot of different roles. Um, you know, he's been a closer, he's been a bullpen guy, and then turned a Friday night starter from last year, and and you know finished off a fantastic sophomore year uh, for us. Another guy that has pitched, you know, at Arkansas in front of 15,000 people, um, you know, in a regional setting. You know, Chase Kaminska, you mentioned, has been a Friday night guy, a freshman All American. Uh, at another high mid-major program at Wichita State, um, you know, and, and he's got electric stuff. Um, Michael Garza, as you mentioned, I mean, he's been a Friday night starter at Incarnate Word. He's been their closer. Uh, and, and when we when he went in the portal and we were having conversations with him, you know, just 
speaking to that maturity piece, he's a fifth year guy. He's a grad transfer. He said, Coach, I, I don't, I don't have any <laughs> prerequisites coming to Nebraska. I just want to be part of a team that's got a chance to win, and I'll do whatever it takes. And so, you know, that guy's coming in not saying, well, I better get a chance to start or, you know, I'm going to have a bad attitude about it. Like he, he's come in and said, I'll do whatever coach. So, you you know, you, you have guys like that. You have some good young freshmen, you have some guys that got their feet wet last year as true freshmen um, that, that are going to get, that are going to get better. So yeah, we've got some pieces. And then, as you said, having that experience at the back end uh, with fourth and fifth year guys, um, that's pretty massive because, those guys have seen it all at this point. Coach, I, I'm super familiar with uh, Canada for a multitude of reasons. you got a couple of Canadians. But I want to stay with pitching, though, with Caleb Clark because uh, he's one of those guys that, that just talking to some of your guys that I know, they like. Left-hander, 6'2", he's got good size. Just a pup, though, as a freshman. How have you been able to dip into going north of the border to have some success with some of these personalities that you're bringing in. Yeah. So, um, Adam, Adam Stern, um, who was starting outfielder here for a couple of years, he was my roommate, um, for two years and, you know, played in the big leagues and, and he stayed involved in the game. He's got a, he's got a facility in his hometown of London, Ontario, Canada. Um, he's got a, he's got a club team up there, uh, that he, that he runs. Uh, he's also heavily involved with the junior national team. He's also been a professional scout. Uh, there is not a single player. <laughs> it's funny, you know, people that don't know much about north of the border, it's like, oh, you're from Canada. Oh, you must know so-and-so. And you're like, oh, no, that, that guy lives 800 miles. I <laughs> <laughs> have no idea who that is. <clears throat> hey, but Sterney knows them all. He literally knows all of them. He knows guys in BC. He knows guys, you know, where in his own province. I mean, it's amazing. He know you say a Canadian baseball player, he knows them or he knows somebody that, that has coached them. So he's been a great resource for us um, that way. And Clarky is a guy that was on our radar, um, you know, when he was younger. I think back to his sophomore year in high school. And Stern just. He does not tell me about players. He does not tell us about players unless he is in love with them mm-hmm. uh, from a talent standpoint. And, you know, he knows what we're looking for from a makeup standpoint. And when he told us about this kid, <clears throat> you know, you see the video. It's kind of a low low three-quarter slot from the left side at the time. He was a left-handed hitter as well, really smooth around the bag at first. He could play center field. And the thing you just kept saying is like, Will, this guy is the most competitive guy on the field every single time he's on the field. It doesn't matter what he's doing. And so that's music to my ears. That's music to my staff's ears. Um, so he's just, you know, we, we had him speak with the media a couple weeks ago. You could hear his communication skills. They're, they're outstanding. Um, he, he's, he's a little bit like an older guy in that sense that he doesn't, he doesn't take himself too seriously. You can kind of get on him if you need to. You can joke with him. He's he's got thick skin. He, he's just a guy that he's in control. That that would be the best way I could describe him. Um, so you know, as a freshman, there's more to it than just having a good arm to pitch. You know, you got to hold runners. You got to field your position. You've got to know the signs. You've got to be able to to navigate a lineup. You know, and and those are all things that when you're in control. 
um, mentally and physically, you've got a shot. And so that's where we feel good about Clarky. He's a, he's a very mature kid, great communicator, hard worker, and very, very competitive. We're talking to Coach Will Bull, head baseball coach at Nebraska. Coach, DB always gets me thinking in this chair, and he got me thinking at the start of the show um, when he used the term, I, I don't know if you coined this. I didn't. He used the term sweat equity. And what, the, what he was meaning by that is, you know, you're, you're for me and all the good things, and then you can receive constructive criticism or, or you can provide constructive criticism, and it always comes from a good place. You know you're still for that person. And when you talk about this team's camaraderie, because a lot of times we associate the sweat equity with what Matt Rule's been doing with Nebraska football, but even in turn of what you've been able to do with Nebraska baseball, how do you see sweat equity playing into uh, some of the things that you do as a coach and vice versa that you receive from players? Yeah, that, that's a <clears> – <throat> what a profound question yeah, at yeah. 8.15 in the morning. And I'm not that really <laughs> – that is one that can really make you, make you ponder. Um, no, that, I, I do. I love that term um, because it, without the shared sacrifice – and, and the, yes. the ability to just put your nose to the grindstone and just say, we're going to get after it every day, <clears throat> you have zero ability whenever the lights come on to, you know, to, to be there, to show up. Um, you just can't. You can't do it. So, you know, when you have a, a group of guys that are dedicated to, to do that, to just show up every day, to work hard, uh, to give everything they have to the guy to the left and the right and just say, you know what, I can trust you. Um, and then a group of guys doing that day in and day out. So their coaches can say, I trust you. Uh, and then, you know, and we have to do the same thing as coaches as well. We've got to, we've got to be willing to do that day in and day out and be very consistent for our players so they can trust us. So without that sweat in the bucket, the sweat equity, you know, that, that type of mentality, um, where you got to show up every day and then just get a little bit better and then do it again the next day. <clears throat> you don't rise to the level, you know, you don't rise to the occasion, you know, on game day. You just don't. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You always just fall back to how did I prepare uh, for this moment? And so, <clears throat> again, you just have to have a group of guys that are willing to do that. They're willing to sacrifice for the team. They're willing to work hard uh, to push each other to make themselves better, to make the team better. But let's face it, you don't have that if you don't have enough talent. Like, that that's kind of where, you, you know, if a guy knows that he's got it made in the shade, uh, it's human nature, you know. I mean, unless you're wired a certain way, uh, which you hope every athlete would be, but it's just, you know, maybe not the We're case. Not. Like, <laughs> you, better, you, better, you better have talent around you because you better have a little bit of that healthy fear of like, hey, this dude next to me is pretty damn good, and he's got a chance to take my job. So, you know, you have that shared sacrifice to create that brotherhood, but you also have the ability to go, man, I better show up today uh, or else this other dude has got a chance to, uh, to take away my playing time. That's a fantastic segue, Coach, because I'm just looking at it, trying to understand your versatility. You can go a couple of ways in your lineup. You can go power. You can hit small. You can play small ball. You can hit and run. Even pitching, right? What, what's the difference between Kamensko and, and Jason like Emmett, right? Those guys could flip-flop Friday, Saturdays. It, 
but the, they'll receive it well from you because if it's what you say about having sweat equity and the guy to the right and the guy to the left, you can tinker with your versatility, and those guys still have to know you're going, you're coming from a good spot because at least on paper, you got a ton of options both offensively, defensively, and on the mound, and it may not be that guy's particular night. Yeah, and, and I think that has been <clears throat> just kind of that direct communication is, is pretty important, you know, to get guys to understand where we're coming from as, as coaches. And, um, yeah, I, I just think that, that we do. And, and the guys can look around and see offensively. It's like, okay, not everybody is exactly the same. This is what I can bring to the table. Uh, you know, if I can bring base running, hitting, and defense to the table, man, that just – that gives me a great shot to be indispensable in the lineup. And same thing goes on the mound. If I have stuff, I throw strikes and I compete, man, that gives me a great shot to have a huge role to throw a lot of innings. So, um, you know, I I think it's very clear what we're looking for as coaches. Uh, It's very clear, again, like I talked about, just day in and day out, guys kind of looking around and saying, okay, well, I know that guy's good. Why is he good? okay, well, I need to be like that if I want to, you know, have his innings or have his at-bat. So we do. We feel like we've got some some different pieces of the puzzle, um, guys that we can move around, maybe play, you know, infield, outfield, uh, maybe, you know, be bullpen guys one week that could move to the rotation or vice versa. Um, you know, you just – hopefully we can settle on some roles, though, uh, because let's face it, I mean, it doesn't always look – the way you think it's going to look, it doesn't always turn out the way you think it's going to turn out. But the teams that are really, really good have roles that are pretty well solidified pretty early. Um, And and that means that they're doing their jobs and, um, you know, everybody else's roles can kind of fall into place. Coach, I know you don't look. I know you don't look too far ahead. And I saw the projections and who's on Nebraska schedule, and you're like, eh. Well, one thing I am excited about: we have a our high school Glazier Coaches Clinic in Minnesota, the third through the fifth. And that field, when you get up there, should tell you a little bit about your ball club, man. I'm I'm pretty pumped to be up there at the same time. Yeah, I think that's a um, you know it's going to provide a unique experience for our guys. Um, you know, we played there <clears throat> two years ago, ago in that in that stadium, and there were probably about 150 people in the stadium because they weren't allowed to. <laughs> we weren't allowed to have fans. It was only it was only family uh, that was allowed. So, <laughs> talk about kind of an, an eerie feeling in that in that stadium um, with 150 people. Uh, this will be a, a bit of a different experience. I have a feeling, just in terms of. Um, the crowd size, the noise, certainly the opponents. Um, but, uh, you know, our guys are pretty well conditioned um, to, they, you know, they expect when they sign up to come to Nebraska, they know we're going to play a tough schedule. They know we're going to play good opponents. So, um, you know, hopefully by that point in time of the third weekend, it's just another weekend that we're, you know, we can go out and, and go compete at a high level. So um, I'm excited about that weekend just as all of them. Coach, we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much, and you, uh, good luck this Friday in San Diego. Appreciate appreciate but, you guys. Best wishes, Coach. That is the head baseball coach at Nebraska, Will Bolt. And remember, that home opener isn't until March 7th, but baseball begins this week. Up next, we're talking to Mitch Sherman. He is the writer for The Athletic 
And we're talking to him next. Coffee and Cream with Rogers and Benning. Welcome back to the show. It's Coffee and Cream in the morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, 590 ESPN Omaha, 1480 ESPN Lincoln, live on Twitter, live on YouTube, and we are live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. We continue our hour of guests now with Mitch Sherman, Nebraska and college football writer for The Athletic. He joins us via StreamYard. Mitch, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Mitch, I'm I'm pretty pumped, man. I I went from not wanting to stretch you too thin to back to back weeks. So as you know, my day is uh, it's pretty good when it's a Mitch Sherman day. He would say yeah, the day is brighter. Hey, thank you so much, Mitch. And uh, uh, we're we're having some fun this morning. And you know, I guess our first question, or my first question for you, will be a follow up from my previous conversation with Will Bolt. And we, we've been talking about sweat equity this morning and uh, accountability that comes along with that. Because especially within the Nebraska football program, you can't have the type of leadership that Matt Rule and his staff wants without having so-called skin in the game. Because Matt Rule didn't have to be here this year. Mm-hmm. He could be sitting on his couch right now raking in millions of dollars, but he chose to be here and he's had the hard job before and he's at Nebraska because he wants to be at Nebraska but he also knows he's not perfect and that's where the sweat equity comes back into play in a world of highly constructive criticism how important is sweat equity for this team not only just in year one but going forward well, I think there's a huge value there. I thought we were going to talk about Nebraska baseball for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> they are. I'll get to that in a second here. <laughs> yeah, any anytime. Uh, college baseball, right up my alley. But yep. but uh, no, I mean, with Matt Rule and and Nebraska football and the Big Ten and you know any program that's going to be successful. I mean, this is, sounds like just an obvious answer. Yeah, you have to put in the work. You've got to have that sweat equity and. You know, it's one thing that we've seen stand out. You, 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 you know, a lot of times when we talk about the success and the good vibes that this staff is having, whether it's in recruiting or when they're out on the road or, um, you know, when they're talking to, uh, to coaches and, and important groups within the state or outside of the state, um, and you say there's, there's a sentiment that comes back from people who might be skeptical that says, okay, you know, let's see what they do on, on Saturdays in the fall you know this is all about winning and losing and it is and you'll hear trev albert say the same thing but there's so much more that goes into building a program than just what you do on in saturdays on the fall and, and that's where all, all of that stuff that you're talking about andrew comes in and, and they're seemingly off to the right foot on, on a, in a very good way in that area um through what is now almost three months let me get one more football question now because i do want to get to baseball especially with you uh when this staff, I always talk about authenticity and and like ownership, and they're big into that, right? He'll tell you where he failed. He'll tell you when he got fired. He'll tell you that he either had had job options. I I was joking the other day, Mitch, at the coaches' clinic. Coach Satterfield used a clip, and it wasn't uh, like a highlight. It was where the ball should have gone, right? And he said, "I don't even know why I put this clip in here," you know, because. You can't keep saying what a player should. Coach Rule says, if you say what somebody should or could have done at some point, that means you can't coach. Um, and they say and do those kinds of things. 
How important do you think it will be for where this program is emotionally with these players to make yourself kind of vulnerable in the moment that you have a plan but haven't always had the right answers? I think it really helps with the transition. You know, ultimately in in a couple of years, and this is going to happen faster now than we've seen with other transitions because of what you're able to do with the roster and some of the limitations that have been removed about um, initial counters. I mean, we see Nebraska already with up around 40 scholarship newcomers coming in, and and the number will be higher when you include the walk-ons, and it'll grow probably with scholarship players after the spring uh, transfer portal period is over. But I think especially with those guys who were new, especially in – I'm sorry, especially with the guys – who are holdovers, especially with the players who are returning, it is important, Damon, to have that kind of vulnerability to show to show them that you don't think you have all the answers, that you have a system, um, that you need buy-in, and that you're willing to meet some of these guys who have been a part of Nebraska football or a part of any program. It could be the guys coming from Georgia or Florida, that, that you're willing to meet them in the middle. I think that's where that um, ability to communicate really well and show that vulnerable side comes in as a plus. Mitch, after reaching the NCAA Regional in 2021, uh, the Nebraska baseball team struggled to make headway in, we'll call it, what, year two and a half for Will Bolt because of the COVID year. Uh, Beside losing some key players after 2021, why do you think last year was such a step back for this team? Yeah, well, I really can't talk about baseball. uh, not that I cover it as much, but I definitely follow those guys and have followed college baseball, you know, for decades. But, uh, you know, I think from, from my viewpoint, and I wasn't down there on the, the ground level sitting there watching every pitch, but from, from my viewpoint, um, they had injuries on the mound that were big. And then they, the, the, the leaders that that team lost, that team that went to Arkansas and, and just about made it to a super regional and would have been on the doorstep of, of Omaha, which would have been an incredible it was an incredible accomplishment what what Will Bolt and that team did in 2021, um, even not making it past that that round, uh, right. that regional round. But they um, they had leaders in that group that I think we understood as people who watched that team and watched that program. We understood their value. But then in 22, when you saw Nebraska baseball as a program without those guys. Um, recognized that their importance was even bigger than what we knew in 2021. So for him, in his what was his first full go-around, um, the 2020 season, um, you know, of course, got canceled. And um, for, for the, the first full go-around with the team, to be able to build the structure that allowed those guys as leaders in 21 to turn into the group that they did, I mean, that's a great sign. Even when 2022 didn't work the way they wanted, you know that he can do it. You know that he has the ability to find those guys and to empower those players so that they can build something similar. Um, and then when you put pieces around it that I think they're they're trying to uh, gather right now in, in building the program beyond where it was in 21 as far as like being a complete team – yeah, I mean, good things are to come. You know, I'm excited about Nebraska baseball. I'm excited about Big Ten baseball. I have some, some you know, thoughts and, and I'm, some curiosity, I guess, about the way that Big Ten baseball is going to go after this season when USC and mm-hmm. UCLA come into the league. I think they can be a huge assets for 
the conference, if the conference is willing to put in the energy and the commitment to allow that to happen. If it's just run of the mill where, all right, you go from being 13 teams that play baseball to now 15 teams that play baseball and you're not really going to do anything any different except travel to different places, then I think that's a mistake. But if the Big Ten really wants to do it and change some things, it doesn't have to be the same kind of schedule mode that it, that it is for football. In fact, it shouldn't be. It's not the same number of teams. Um, so uh, there's an opportunity there for Big Ten baseball to take a big step here um, in the next two years, and Nebraska can help lead the way. Mitch, what do you think the difference is fundamentally between Coach Bolt and in in baseball, and maybe some other coaches that have returned to their alma mater? Right, we've seen it with with Coach Williams and and Nebraska basketball. We've seen it most recently with football. It seems like, and maybe it's maybe I'm answering my own question when I say maybe it's the lack of of long-term history, like 2001, 2002 wasn't that long ago, but he seems to be willing to evolve and change even though he has a certain level of familiarity with its background and where it's been. Yeah, I just think it comes down to the person individually. Um, You know, there are some carryover traits, I'm sure. I mean, you look at guys, if you want to take this to a football level and you look at like Pat Fitzgerald and Jim Harbaugh, in what they've done and having success at their alma maters. I don't know that there's that much of a common thread. I mean, you talk about Scott Frost and you, and you, and they were all of course together in the league at the same time. Um, you know, the common thread is that they understand what it takes to have success at their school. They understand the history well. Um, but I, I think it, it, you know, you have connections, um, to people who, who are historically important to that program. But I don't know that the, um, the connections and what allows those people to be good coaches goes a whole lot beyond that. It's, it's about mm. the individual. And with Will Bolt, you know, he could have played at um, he could have played at Texas State, you know. And if he was the same guy who came out of college, you know, if he had the same kind of guidance, um, then, then I don't think it would matter now that he's back here and trying to build this program where he played. You know, the one thing about him being a Nebraska alum that bodes well for Nebraska is that he, if he has a bunch of success here, you know, he's not going to be as tempted to say, go somewhere else and yeah. go back to his alma mater like Dave Van Horn did at Arkansas. Um, and that's a good thing that's working in Nebraska's favor. You know, we'll see the success happen at Nebraska. You know, he knows firsthand that you can win at a school where it's 20 degrees when you start practice at the beginning of the year. But, um, you know, beyond that, I think it's just about him and what makes him a good coach um, more so than, you know, where he went to school. Mitch, we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Mitch. All right, good to talk to you guys. Thanks. That is Mitch Sherman. He is the college football and Nebraska college football writer for The Athletic. Coming up next, Joel Lorenzi. and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Welcome back to the show, 888-638-4876. If you'd like to get involved, it's Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. He's Damon Benning. I'm Andrew Rogers, and we are live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. Like we do every Tuesday, let's bring in our guy, Joel Lorenzi, <laughs> Creighton beat writer for the Omaha World Herald. Joel, good morning, man. Good morning, guys. What's going on? Well, I feel like with each time we talk to you, uh, 
I get a little I bit more. I know what you're about to say, man. I know what you're about to say. <laughs> Go ahead, because if you get this right, man, we he's going to start calling uh, you uh, Andrew. Uh, yep, lunch on me. What what am I what am I going to say, Joel? You about to say with every time we talk, you sound more and more awake. Even Shane, even Shane, when he put you on hold, goes, "Hey, Joel, sounds a little more awake today." So, like, what are we? Go ahead, go ahead. Crazy Shane woke me up. So, (laughs) me and my partner, two Shanes. Hey, so so I got to let me let me start. You know, because I'm going to ask you an NBA question. What's that? Okay. How dang, how dangerous are the Milwaukee Bucks that they've all they've been good the last three and a half years and all of a sudden they feel like they're interested in regular season basketball again? Yeah, you know they've always been dangerous. When you, when you got the best player in the world, um, it's hard to really stay out of the picture. And then the team, the core, they've always had built around them. Even though, depending on who you ask. Um, They've probably been a piece away since, uh, or they've probably been a piece away uh, to return to, you know, the finals and the, uh, a championship again. But uh, I've always thought with their core, they can get back there again. I mean, the Jay Crowder addition helps. Um, obviously, you know, people are worried about their closing lineup. Between um, Connison and and um, Allen, just because uh, they've had. Down years, shooting wise, uh, at least contest. Um, but man, you, they got the best player in the world, dude. <laughs> with their big three, it's like they've never been out of it. They're always, always going to be good. And really, they should have won last year, um, but they didn't have Chris Middleton. I'll, I'll think they're going to my grade. Let me, uh, let me. I got. I'm gonna ask one more NBA question, but it ties to college basketball because there's a couple of really good teams that I think need better point guard play. UNC. One in particular uh, is because this it's this guy's alma mater, Jalen Suggs. Gonzaga sure. needs better point guard play, no question. But are you surprised that Jalen Suggs? And I know he's battled injury, but are you surprised he's not off to a better NBA start? Um. The thing is, um, these young prospects, I think I've learned to be more patient because you'll see, um, and obviously Suggs is probably going to be held to a different standard, at least slightly because he was a top five pick. Um, but you got to be patient with these dudes, man, based on situation, uh, opportunity, some of these dudes don't break out till year four, year five. And he's splitting uh, time with a guy that people left for dead, Markel Fultz. <laughs> so you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so he he's in one of the weirder situations in the league, I think. Um, and so, uh, but I, I will say, as a, as a defensive guy, um, he showed everything he yeah, has to, I think. Uh, there's no doubt about him there. I think he goes to another team, whatever that might be, um, because they're going to split that core. Matter of fact, he might not even have to because they're going to split that core depending on who they decide to go with after this draft and what they do there because this draft is going to change the direction in the backcourt, I think. Um, things will become clearer for him. I'm, I'm, I'm not out on Sully. 
Joel, let's talk about one of the more cringeworthy games this year. I shared a ton of thoughts yesterday uh, about the inability to rebound, the Huskies' inability to then capitalize on all of their offensive boards. Just an ugly game of basketball all around. And I say that in the nicest way possible. And all that being said, what does a win like that say about this team's resilience? And how much do you credit the winning streak that they're on? Uh, to provide confidence in tough game moments, because I always say good teams win, but great teams are good teams win when things are going right. Great teams win when things are going wrong. Yeah, I, I credit uh, because uh, you saw in the early half of the year uh, in games they didn't shoot well; they were dead in the water, man. Uh, um, they were probably losing, even if not by much. Uh, it was just not an advantage. Um, there was no advantage because this was a team that, you know, to start the year, the expectations around them were, okay, we've got so many dudes who can create for themselves. Um, we're going to be one of the best offenses in the country, and they still are. Probably not as, as highly thought of as, uh, you know, they were to start the season, but um, that was the expectation. Now this team really genuinely hangs his head on defense, which is something they talked about since the summer. But you couldn't really see the vision until the new year when these guys were brought in and um, started to play for each other. And uh, Willie Carr, uh, each of their roles out, tried to master them. And so now you're seeing the team that uh, behind one of the best defensive players in the country, um, they're, they're energized. They're locked in, man. And, um, they've won games that way. I thought, you're like, you're right. Um, it was so, so hard to watch um, that game the other day for a lot of it. And, um, you know, Shinogo trying to back down Hawkburner and Hawkburner trying to back down Shinogo and he's moving. Like, oh, my gosh, this is horrible TV. But, um, you know, down the stretch, Braden, like they have in recent weeks, got those stops when it mattered, man. And that's how they won the game. So you got to give them credit. Joel, I, I said last week we're going to look up, and I was calling my shot, and I left myself no room, no margin for error. We're going to look up on, on March the 4th, actually the morning of March the 5th, and Creighton will have ran the table to close out this season. Agree or disagree? Um, define running the table. So I think I, they, they, won't, they won't lose again when we wake up on March 5th. From, from now to – Oh, they won't lose from now to Mar- and, Yeah, so that means they got Providence, St. John's, Marquette. Oh, boy. Nova, <laughs> Georgetown, DePaul. I'm telling you, Joel, they're going to run the table. Well, it starts with tonight. I think if they can get over the hump tonight, it gets easier. Uh, I think people are kind of overlooking, not overlooking, but people are kind of like a little too confident in that Marquette game here. Uh, just because it is here and nobody's top of the conference is lost. And it's a bad gym. matchup for Marquette, in my opinion. Marquette is probably the best team in the league right now. Maybe not the best team, but uh, they probably got the best shot at, at winning the regular season. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I wouldn't count the dudes out, man. Um, and, obviously, tonight game. At um, Providence. Yeah, at Providence. Providence, dude, and that gym, Providence has lost once yeah. in his last 35 games. That's just it. once. 
34-1 through the last five. It is going to be incredibly hard to beat them. That's all I'm saying. Joel, in your most recent piece, you because this is a great follow-up to what DB just asked, you wrote that this final stretch of games will feel like an eternity. Yep. Like, Why do you think that is? Is it because the majority are played on the road or because you feel they have the toughest final slate of any Big East contender? Uh, multiple factors. Both of what you just mentioned and the fact that, you know, uh, February, um, which is just a junior March, it doesn't. It doesn't go that quick, man. And, and when you're playing um, teams like this and not Holy Cross, um, it's gonna feel like an eternity. Man. And um, I think, like I like I argued in, you know, the story, they got the toughest instead of anybody, man. They, and it and really it goes to show that you know Ken Palm has called them one of the unluckiest teams in the country, and I don't think it's really getting any better. I don't think Ken Palm factors in the scheduling stuff really. Uh, but they are pretty unlucky when it comes to I mean, they got Providence tonight at, at Providence. They still got to get St. John's in that little old gym. Um, St. John's still Nova. can't guard. So St. John's, is, yeah, St. John's isn't great, but you still got to take them on in the gym, which changes the dynamic. Uh, you you got to go to Philadelphia and you have to go to Chicago. Yes. Well, hey, hey, you're not going to slip that in there. <laughs> To Chicago, you're not gonna do that. I'll go. I'll go shoot up for them in Chicago, man. That, but look, that is DePaul on two, March 4th for those of you playing at home. <laughs> you're not gonna yeah, do that. Two Philly, two Philly though. Yeah, um, is interesting and a, a tougher game than people realize because of Villanova's rocky year or whatever. If you haven't watched college basketball too closely, you wouldn't think that was a tough game. But to come, people people saw when they watched Creighton play them last week. The complexion of Villanova changed when they got Cam Whitmore earlier in the year, and it changed even further when they got Justin Moore back. This dude hasn't skipped a beat, man. You would have thought that he uh, he sprained his knee or something. Or something. I, you wouldn't have thought he tore his Achilles, man. So um, that's going to be a tough game. History tells me, Coach Mack. I give the advantage to Coach Mack the second time around seeing a team with such a quick turnaround. Two weeks apart, Coach Mack and his scout, I think advantage Creighton all day. That that's where that's where I came up with that. There there is a there is a path to, to go undefeated in this stretch. What are the percentage chances? Probably like fifteen or something. It's not very high. Um because you would need um it feels a lot like you'll have to have luck like you need in March. But really um for what it's worth, I don't think they'll need to go undefeated to win the regular season title or get a high seed. They will, though. I'm <laughs> telling you. I'm telling you, Joel. They right. will. <laughs> oh, I kind of want to bet on this, but I'm not against the name. Hey, hey. We'll talk. Yeah, yeah. Back and forth behind yeah, we'll, the curtain. We'll talk. <laughs> we'll talk baseball All next. Right. <laughs> DB, fill in the blank. So we all know Deion Sanders bought a house, right? Yeah. Got a lot of land, too. Speaking of land, fill in this blank, okay? So when he sold his house um, in Mississippi, he sold 42 blank. He sold 
Pardon? He sold 42 blank of land. Acres. Acres Ale is brewed with Nebraska <laughs> corn, crisp and clean with a light, refreshing flavor, locally <laughs> brewed. And it is the perfect beer to enjoy watching Nebraska take down Colorado next season at the start of the season. Nice work there. Way to get there, Acres oh, Ale. Man. Hey, you had the Acres when they first came. And 42 acres. Gosh, that's a lot. You aren't the biggest beer drinker in the entire world. No. But not, no, that, was, that was up there with dear old Nebraska Brew from Zipline. Well, thank, yeah, it was actually. Both was of those a, were neck and neck with each other. Do you, do you know what I think made that cool? The, the clear plastic cups. <laughs> I think, these guys? Yeah. I think that's <laughs> You're what, like, Andrew, why would you pour beer in these cups? I'm like, well, we're not sharing the can. <laughs> I'm like, I gave it to everyone to try so that we didn't open three beers. Well, actually, we would have and, opened and, and we're 12 not in, total beers. And we're not in Europe either, but we still drank them at room temperature. Well, they were cold because they were in my car. Well, kind of. They I mean, were cold. Just because you backed in, you, your, your walk was a little quicker. They didn't yeah. stay as cold. Beep, beep. <laughs> hey, why'd you back in? Well, I wanted to shorten my walk. I you did. shortened the walk by four feet. Still shorter. Worth it. <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> yeah, I have no problem with shortening the walk. Yeah. I know, I, I know you don't. I know you Attaboy, don't. boy, Shane. Nobody can do that. Shane, are you a big fan of baseball keeping the runners starting on second base in extra innings? Or are you a bigger fan of the bases being bigger? I'm a bigger fan of this old Nebraska brew. <laughs> oh. Dear old Nebraska brew? Yep. Dear old Nebraska brew. <laughs> yep. Is that what you're drinking right now? Mm-hmm. Out of the clear soil? Yep. yep, this is dear old Nebraska brew. It looks so, just like water. I mean, so I can't, I can't wa- see it. It's, it's the light that I see over and here. I, I'm, no, in, this is I'm water. in the same boat with the ice melting. In the, but are you a room temperature water guy? Because that's terrible. I like my water cold. Me too, and I'm the only one in my house that cares. problem with that is I believe it was like proven that you cramp up more if you drink cold yeah, water. I, I hear, I've heard that's a lot of BS. Exactly, Bo. Thank you. I've heard Thank a lot you, of a lot of stories about cold water versus room temperature and whatever. I just taste better. Room temperature water is just not good, and I'm the only one in my house that cares about it, which means I'm the only one in my house that typically puts. Do you have a Brita the, in the fridge? The water bottles in the fridge. Do you have a Brita but in the fridge? No. So I have. But water. if it's room I have temperature and you need to get hydrated, you can drink it faster if it's not as cold. If it's cold. But mine I, has like the Gatorade spout in the fridge. If so it's I cold, just go I there. just. If it's cold, I Good. just drink. Filtered water? I don't drink anything warm. Even at the beanery, I'm going with the smoothies. Coffee from the beanery. That's what I'm drinking warm right now. Official so, coffee. So coffee I wonder cream. what would happen. Everybody tells me. I'm a, I remember my buddy Todd Doxson used to tell me that he's a caramel macchiato guy. He's like, oh, DB, just have one. It's addicting. I'm like, how many calories is that? That is that is such a white girl drink. <laughs> is it? Caramel well, macchiato. No, like, he's, he is you came from white, Cali. Hey, caramel but, macchiatos. But he's far from feminine. <laughs> I'm not I feel, gonna, like, I feel uh, like that's always been the drink. Of Caramel macchiato. Yeah, I want to know. So in my life, my my my. You don't my, point the finger. My buddy drinks a hot John, and I can't remember what's in a hot John, but they call it a hot John because sounds like name, a sandwich. His name is John. I remember you telling me this, and he likes it at like 212 degrees or 14 or some ridiculous number. Which I don't understand. Cause Does he like put a thermometer in there? 
Well, you know, I think he's partly OCD. You know, he's an insurance guy, so things have to kind of be done a, a, the right way. But at some point, you're not drinking it at that temp. So what difference does it make if you start at that temp? Thought, you, you chuck it. <laughs> There's not a chance. Well, and so I like to have my drink starting scolding because I know it's going to get cooler. And as it gets cool, at least it's still warm. Does that make sense? No, because I think at some point it will be the same temp to, to be Yeah, but then you have consumable. to speed up. Consumable. Then you got to speed up, right? So you want to hold it for six more minutes longer? Well, no. Well, no. So, like, if I, if I wanted to drink my coffee over time and I didn't want to chug it, uh-huh. like, you want it really hot so that if, oh, I set it down, now I'm doing something. Oh, I can pick it back up and I don't have to reheat it in the microwave. The colder the drink... And if you drink it faster, all you're going to do is get... I got chills throughout my body. That's all you're going to get is GB's chills. had chills uh, because of your, like, vitamins, right? You've been getting chills all last week because of your yeah. vitamins? So it's the cayenne. I never yeah. told you about my drink. Did oh, I? you did. That, okay. It was the drink. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's cayenne, honey, apple cider vinegar, a little kosher rock salt to get mm-hmm. my electrolytes mm-hmm. right. And uh, Himalayan pink salt, turmeric. Isn't there a Caillou cartoon, or is it Caillou? It's Caillou. Caillou. The, Caillou. Little, the little ball head crybaby that yeah, wears the same. Sauter. That wears the same clothes that, every day. That is Mike Sauter. He's such right a there. whiner. He's I don't Caillou. know how that car- cartoon got famous, but the dude is constantly whining. He needs more discipline because <laughs> he's got a whiny voice. He doesn't change his clothes. I would whine too. <laughs> They're always clean though. Fudge. Come on, Caillou. So they Pumped just magically the clean themselves. <laughs> sure. It is a cartoon, Shane. I'm serious. <laughs> it's not that, real. Listen, that little ball hit. So that little dude is Caillou? constantly whining. How old is Caillou? Is I don't know. Stop whining, though. That, that's, that's what I know. Like, you're not a good role model for kids. Because the minute you start talking to your parents like that, you, you don't have to. Well, looking like him, he can probably you, goes to his room and gets tired. Can you spell Caillou? Uh, C A L L. Don't no. put that crap on me. O U. Close. C A I L L O U. Yeah. Caillou. Did yes. you have to Google it? I sure did. Yeah, I don't even know how we got started. Yeah, well, it's a Canadian educational children's show. So <laughs> Say back to Canada. <laughs> Always back to Canada with DB. So Coach Bolt, he's got Vancouver and I've been to London, Ontario. I think it's funny how he mentioned. Oh, like oh yeah. If you're if you're from Canada, you must know this person, and it's like. Whoever no. asked that question, think about like saying that in the States. Like, oh, you're from the U.S.? You must know this person. Yeah, and just imagine the Yukon Territory. Right. Like, uh, you ever looked at that, that square footage on a map? It is massive. And it couldn't be a different lifestyle in Vancouver than in Ontario. Or Toronto. Toronto to Vancouver. Like, Ontario to British Columbia. Vastly different vastly different and i've never been to canada and i want to someday but those provinces are huge yeah huge it's a very big area of land been to kingston been to london been to toronto been to montreal uh went to a training session in vancouver they were training on an island for the world cup very expensive the most expensive place i've ever been vancouver yes and they have this thing called GST, which is like provincial sales tax, but it's on top of regular sales tax. And so it's like gratuity every time. So there's the 
tax. Right. Then there's the provincial tax, the GST, which is why everybody can get insurance in Canada. <laughs> it's tiered now. It's not all all that glitters isn't gold. Isn't it, it may, in Canada? It may take you six months to get an x-ray. Isn't it in Canada that you don't have to pay for medical insurance it's, because yeah. you pay like throughout? The, the GST Yeah, okay, crazy. so that's what that stands for. You, or, you, like, stands you get a $34 meal and it's really like 61 bucks, and you wonder what happened. <laughs> Did I order two drinks? <laughs> Dude, I'm serious. I, I'm, 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 I remember I ate at this place called Marche's in Toronto. It's a fantastic concept, and it's what I, it's one of the places that I like to go to. I, I spent New Year's there once. We, went, we were on a boat, but anyway. I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. My bill was like 40%, 45% of what the meal costs off the top. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Don't really care if you guys have health insurance anymore. I don't want to pay it. You simply can't do that. What? I don't want to pay it. <laughs> well, it's like sticker shock. Oh yeah. I'm like I'm looking at the piece of paper. But wasn't that good? <laughs> no, you're looking at the piece of paper and this is you. Let me see your notebook. This is this is DB looking at his receipt. He's just like How is this five pages? <laughs> what is GST? This tax, that tax, this tax, that tax. Fudge. Anyway. Hey, transitioning to baseball as promised. Because I did talk about the Blue Jays yesterday. Because you did talk about the Blue Jays. And as we finished up uh, the AL, we never got into the National League. And reason for that is there's a lot to talk about when you involve baseball. But um, let's start with the team that represented the NL in the World Series. And that's the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, which, speaking of Philadelphia fans, they must be just sports fans must be hurt because they got so close in two different sports, and then all of a sudden they fell off mm-hmm. right at the end. Um, but when you, when you talk NL East, the Phillies do return the majority of their group. Uh, they have their starting pitching core back. They obviously have the MVP back. Reese Hoskins finally became a consistent player last year, especially in the World Series, or at least the postseason. He was living up to his status in that system, in that organization. Because for the longest time it was, oh, Reese Hoskins, he's going to be the guy. Mm -hmm. And then they couldn't figure out where to play him. They were like, hey, let's put him in left. Hey, let's put him at third. Hey, let's put him at first. They didn't really have a spot for him. But I think they finally found a way to get the most out of Reese Hoskins. Yeah, I don't even think that that's the team to beat in that division. So, but they do have one. You would say the Mets are the team to beat. Yeah, but can I ask you real quick something about the Mets? What are they getting in fam? They are getting a very egotistical player because he is he's the type of player that even in, when he worked in AA, my brother told me a story because uh, he worked in the front office in Springfield. Uh, Springfield Cardinals is who I'm referring to here. He said every player would walk in and say hi to the people in the front office. 
except for Tommy Pham mm. because he felt like he was better than everyone else. Now, he did have a little chip on his shoulder because he had to prove people wrong. It took him a little while to get into the league. And once he made his way into the league, he started to spark a little bit, and he, he, he showed that as a leadoff hitter in, in San Diego. So, um, but you're getting somebody that I would call him consistent. So you got Senga, you've got Verlander, you've got Quintana, Dave Robertson. All all of those guys have to figure out a way to make up for Jacob Degrom going and Bassett going six and a third every time out, or Jacob Degrom going two games throughout the year. Uh, he's battled some injuries here <laughs> as of late. But are are you cool with making the Mets the favorite or in the NL East over, over yeah. Philly? Mm-hmm. I think so. Uh, they're well put together. Alonso is one of the best power hitters in the game. Lindor is one of the best. Got it going too. They gosh, people are starting there. to hate on him, and then all of a sudden he figured it out. And let's remember, okay? Because I looked this up the other day, and I could not believe this. the leader. Let's remember who plays either second base or outfield for the Mets. And that's Jeff McNeil. <laughs> Did you know that he won the slow, Silver Slugger in 2022? Yeah, Did you know he's an MLB batting champion in 2022? And they resigned this is, him. This is a guy that, if you remember Jeff McNeil, you either got 60 games out of him or he hit over 300. And last season, did he fly under the radar yep. because the Mets had so many other problems? that you focused on that more than what Jeff McNeil was doing. Last season, Jeff McNeil hit 326 in 589 plate appearances. That's 533 ABs. He had 174 hits. 39 of them were doubles, and he only had 62 RBIs. He didn't do anything special, but guess what? The Billy Bean mantra. What did we call call those guys? Were you around for punching Judy's? No. Punching Judy is kind of a it's a baseball term. I need you to Google that and see what comes up with what's the definition of a of a punch. Oh, punch and Judy. Yeah, for for in baseball. Yeah. Um well because those two were the puppets that actually were featured in the Santa Claus too, if anybody was wondering. Um but in regards to baseball, it pertains to a hitter who the ball or a powerless hitter does not solidly strike in baseball. <laughs> that is Jeff McNeil. <laughs> nice work. Thank Good you. Comp. Hey, Good look, comp. I just I just remember that because I grew up in an era as much as I love baseball, where and I was a middle infielder and middle infielders at that point, unless you were great Ryan, Ryan Sandberg. Were referred to as Punch and Judy's. You were Ozzy Smith. Put types, it in play, right? Put you know, it and play. it's just like, you know what? That's not really who I want to be. I'd, I'd I'd like to be able to to hit for some power, at least extra base hits. But we weren't really paying a ton of attention to slugging percentage back then. <laughs> Take a guess. Who is on the cover of MLB The Show this year? I know you're not a big Shohan Otani guy. Not Otani. I believe he was on last year's game. Then I will go with, gosh, he's not very likable. How about um, Manny Machado? No, but he is a team in the NL, and he's a team in the NL East. And he's going to surprise you. So don't think best player. So it's not Alonzo. Oh, in the East? NL East. Oh, because this came as a huge shock for me. I forgot about him when I was trying to go through it. My buddy asked me this question a week ago. 
Oh. Was he just on television at a game with four other players? Does he wear excessive jewelry? Uh, Donnie's. I was going to say Jazz Chisholm. Yeah, it's him, but I don't remember It him. is Jazz Chisholm? It is. I don't remember him wearing Shane get, excessive jewelry. So he was that, he a that a lot? So who was just on television, and there were four Marlins there, and Jazz Chisholm was one of it them. It is Jazz Chisholm. And he had on, I mean, he looked like he had Mr. T's starter kit on. A I, know, I knew he wears. I knew he wore a gold chain. I think I should be able to win something for that. Cause ding, I t- ding, ding. I totally pulled that out of my rear end. You did. You did. I guess he does wear a lot of jewelry, and I just oh, miss it. Oh, yeah. You should have seen him at the – what game was that? Somebody has He's to know. He's so good. Oh, my gosh. He was so good wait in fantasy minute. for wait, me wait, last wait, year. Wait, 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 wait. Jazz? Are you, you, are you putting up with all the antics? That Jazz isn't a good player? I'm not saying he's not a good player. I'm talking about juice worth the squeeze. Really? Jazz? Yeah. Okay. All-star for a reason last year. Okay, ho- ho- hold that thought. Hold Let's that go. thought. That, the Marlins are not good. Well, they tease you because of that that staff, right? I mean, you're running out of Alcan- uh, Alcantara. You got Lopez. You got Lazardo. Um, you're going to get Rodgers back. That staff should keep you in a, in a ton of games. Right? They should, but they won't. And Lazardo was kind of that way even when he was in Oakland. My man said the guy with the 860 OPS hit, that hit 254 was an all-star for a reason. Really? Bro, you should have seen how really? he started the year hitting. I, I get it, but you act like – I kind of want to call you and, out on and, that, but I'm going to let it – And he let, got hurt. That's, and I know, and he wasn't the same, and he got benched. Like, let's not forget about that. Let's relax there, DB. Uh, no, no. His no, month what, of April and his month of May were what, so good. What we have and then to re- he got hurt what in July. What we have to relax about is kind of like yesterday. Well, he got hurt in June, actually. Listening to you and Michigan Lance say clearly outplayed Mahomes. No, he didn't. <laughs> Jalen Statistically? Hurts did cl- no, he if, didn't. If you throw, I don't care how you look at it. If you throw 180 it. yards, that is a bum performance. Listen, I don't care how you dice it up. At no point did Hurts clearly outplay Patrick Mahomes. At no point. Clearly probably wasn't the right word. More touchdown passes, more rushing yards, and he got the dub. Yeah, but you don't have to – more touchdown passes. I mean, then you can say more touchdown rushed for Hurts. And he had one more of those. So what's clear about it? (laughs) Than than Mahomes? Yes. He had three rushing touchdowns. He threw for one. That's four. Right. He had one more touchdown than Mahomes. Oh, I thought you meant – There's nothing clear about just one. And I said, yeah, I just said clear probably wasn't the right word. So, but outplayed was the right word. No. So back to the all-star thing. <laughs> he was an all-star for a reason. Like you feel comfortable saying that out loud? Yeah, because an all. Well, I guess if because you look at the all-star, baseball, it it's is all based off the first pop- half of the season, and it's a popularity vote. It is. Yeah, but if you look at what he was able to accomplish in that first half of the season, he turned some heads. I, I hope you're right. I'm, I'm cheering for I Jazz. I am right. <laughs> Boy. Let's look at this, Freddie. In the first, <laughs> Barry month, must have had a he must have had a nah. joyous time with you. In the first up. month of the season, he easily hit over 
three hundred. Listen, easy. The, yeah, second get, month of the season, he probably averaged three hundred. For a reason, and in June <laughs> is where he fell off because he lives in a heavily populated state. Even though nobody goes to the games in Florida, Jazz Chisholm became a very popular fan. Both. And Jazz gets so many abs, so that's why I hate basing it off of batting average. For well, him. I, do you like? Do, so, which which is your favorite? The eight sixty OPS. <laughs> Where we start? <laughs> Which is your favorite? <laughs> hey, let's begin. Listen, I like baseball, so we can have these conversations <laughs> anytime you want to. Hey, like, but think about Jazz, though. He's trending up in every category I hope since so. he became in the league. I want the Marlins to be good. Maybe it's overhyped right now because, like, would I put Jazz on the cover? No. Is he, I, is he running out balls yet? But remember, like – Putting somebody on the cover means nothing. I'm just happy I guessed it right. That's all. What? That I guessed Chisholm. Oh, Jazz. I, I, when we first went back and forth, I said Jesus Aguilar. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> and the reason I said that, I'm like, who's good on the Marlins? <laughs> Alcantara. Right. Alcantara. And they said it wasn't a pitcher. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm looking at hitters, and I'm like, and because Jazz only played the first half of the season, he was off my mind. Mm. And then I finally got to Jazz. But, I mean... Slugging percentage. In his first year, he only had played 21 games. Kind of skewed numbers, but he 161 batting, 242 OBP, 321 slugging. Next year, 248 AB, or BA, OBP of 303, 425 slugging, 728 OPS. I'm, I'm with you. Year three, 254 BA, OBP of 325, slugging 535, 860. If the numbers keep trending up, then yeah. Like, I, I, I'm with it. I'm with the jazz hype. So... Is, I'm sorry. Is there a jinx, by the way, with that cover? Buy me a Coke. Like, like the EA Sports. Like Madden. Like Madden. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, Shohei Otani was pretty good last year. So and no, I mean, and if he was on the cover, general, no? if, if okay. I'm correct and he was on the cover, then um, Can, let me ask you something because I think you know no. I'm kind of vibing with the Cubs this year. Dansby Swanson was a great addition for them, dude. As I mean. Do you want to Be- talk about Cody Bellinger? Bellinger's going to help them. Now, Bellinger drives Bellinger me crazy. is the next Jock Peterson for them. He, he drives me up the wall. But defensively, he's way good. And you get Velasquez, Suzuki, and Bellinger out there patrolling the, the, the greens of that wall. Like, it'd be pretty good. Cody Bellinger has the making of a bounce back. Like you know what I'm saying when I when, when I I'm, when I throw that for, out there I'm cheering for him. He was so he, good. He plays hard, hitting the baseball, and then he adjusted. He tweaked his swing. Uh, well, they adjusted to weird. him. They started getting. You can't. They just threw balls under his hands. Right, because he's a scooper. Yeah, it just it's. I call it the scoop and loop. <laughs> you know, and they just threw balls under his hands. But I mean, you got to like Hap, right? I said Velasquez. He's going to be DH. Mm-hmm. You, so you got Hap, Suzuki, Bellinger. But, but here's the thing. Are you in love with Tyon, Hendricks, Steele? Jameson Tyon should be so much better than he is. I mean, who's on the back end of that, Shane? Drew Smiley, maybe? Ugh. Well, I'm just saying. Like, they got to uh, right. get guys out. Maybe. And I don't, I don't trust Boxberger. Do, do Cub fans? But I do, like, I do like the Cubs because I think you and I both agree real quick. I always hear about the Brewers. Eh, 
Right. I mean, we can, we can touch on it a little bit more when we come back. Stick around. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Well, we hope you like baseball because that's what we just went in, into all last segment. And we'll finish our thoughts here. It's Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, pitchers and catchers reported yesterday. And um, so, if, you're following a, right, if you're following along on social media, you can see who was actually down in spring prepare, preparing for the WBC. But uh, we, we got stuck going into the break on the NL Central. And yesterday, <laughs> it, it had us thinking, well, who's the team that's going to come out of the NL Central? Because every year it seems to be this, at least as of recent. Hey, the Brewers are the number one team in the Central. Everybody else is chasing the Brewers. Spoken like a real Cardinal fan. And before that, it was, hey, the Cardinals are the team at the top. Everybody's chasing the Cardinals. Even after the Cubs won the World Series, it wasn't the Cubs are at the top because people knew that they, that they rented a ton of people to get them in that spot. It never was the Reds, at least not as of late. The Pirates are always at the bottom. So who is it this year? It's probably the Cardinals. If we go and look at the actual preseason Coming off a 93-win season last year. It's probably the Cardinals. You could say they ran away with it. The Cubs are going to fall in second. The uh, Brewers, ahead of the Brewers. I think the Brewers are in third. I really do. And it's not saying like, hey, the Brewers just, are a bad team. I just, just They don't hit it well enough? They're always overhyped. Always. Every year it's like, hey, we have Christian Yelich. He won an MVP one time. <laughs> hey, we got some good young players on this team. Yeah. Willie Adamas is a great hitter at the top of the charts. Oh, we have, we have great pitching. We have Corbin Burns. We had, and I say had, Josh Hader, <laughs> who's not on that team anymore. But there were a ton of people that kind of like made up the tool belt of the Milwaukee Brewers, and they just haven't found a way to put it together. Yeah, Tyrone Taylor, Christian Yelich, and Garrett Mitchell will patrol that outfield. Is that enough pop for you? No. Yelich is weird. I, I keep saying, like, I just want him to get healthy, but, you know, maybe the ankle foot thing, maybe it's arthritic. Maybe the knee is just degenerative now. I, talking about being thrown through a loop. He just, I mean, everything from the quads on down for him hasn't been good for three years. So I, I just, and it's a weight-bearing sport, obviously, because you're upright, but I mean, I pit that against. I I don't know. Do you do you love the Cardinals? You love that off season. Your that's, bull, that's the your, Cardinals your off season every year. Your bullpen is going to be interesting, right? Because every year you and <laughs> so um, you know, Cotney is a huge Cardinals fan. We'll get Matt on the show and talk baseball. So for three or four these last three or four years that I've been following him on social media, he. He inevitably, during baseball season, has these little mini in-game meltdowns over the Cardinals' bullpen. And it might be one of the funniest things ever. Every year. If you know Coach's personality. Like, what is Jordan the Hicks? snark? Well, I, do you know? What is Packy Naughton? 
what is Chris Stratton? What is Drew Verhagen? I know what Giovanni Gallegos is. Yeah, I know yeah. who Ryan Helsley is. Oh, so but who's the rest? And I know you're a, Rain, uh, a Wainwright guy, but shouldn't you feel good if Wainwright is your number three? You should. That's well, pretty- Jordan Montgomery was great. I loved the trade last year, getting rid of Harrison Bader for yeah, him. Yeah, because uh, he was Fl- Flaherty, for the Flaherty's Yankees. your opening day guy, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Flaherty healthy. I just was... Flaherty healthy is perfect. Yeah. Steven Matz at the five. Well, you always toss around a rando five. Uh, Miles Michaelis <laughs> got paid after a good hey, season. He shows you flashes of brilliance. Of brilliance. Mm-hmm. Sure does. But then you look at the lineup. You, you pick up Wilson Contreras. Yeah. To replace Yachty, uh, which we are, which we talked about in the summer, Good. Uh, it was like, I'm fine. He's a top five catcher in baseball. Okay, fair. Paul Goldschmidt, former MVP, great. Brendan Donovan, Tommy Edmond in your middle infield could be a little better, which is why you know you asked me yesterday, would you be happy with Fernando Tatis Jr.? Like, yeah, if you put him in that in that mix of. Of players right there. How about the irony? How about the irony? And he had a pit stop in between, but we both have former Mets as our as our fives because I think Syndergaard will be a five for yeah. the Dodgers. Yeah, fair point. Um, I just hope he's healthy. You know, we'll start. You know, Julio, Clayton, Gonsolin. We get Dustin May back, which mm-hmm. will help, and then Noah Syndergaard. But I just wonder for you guys. First of all, I think the West is going to be a bear. Uh, and I, yeah, we'll the take Rockies. It. Yeah, we'll they're great. Wow, hater raid is Thursday oh, for oh, that sorry. deep down body hate. The sorry. Giants will bounce back, and they won't recapture the glory of, of two years ago. Contract. But the Padres will be extremely formidable. So, uh, well, yeah, because they're built well. Yeah, and you know. Maybe Cap. Maybe what will happen in Philly happen with the Giants with Kapler because he seems to be a guy that he's so unconventional and so quirky. Maybe he'll wear out his welcome. Maybe he only needs young guys. Right. And I think that listen, they were trying to get better behind the dish uh, last year, and they had their struggles. But you assume, and it's an odd year that the Giants will be good or better. Y- yeah, better. I mean, I, the all West, the stuff the that West, happened the in the offseason cer- with them. The West is certainly better than the Central, don't right. you think? All that stuff with Aaron Judge in the offseason was like, holy cow, what are the Giants? Like, who are they right now? They lack middle infield depth. They have Mitch Haniger, right? Yeah. Which is a great addition. I thought he was a fantastic player in Seattle. Conforto is always Mr. Consistent, like another Met. Right? We talked about Jeff McNeil. <laughs> Mr. Consistent right there. Um, they have rotation depth. I read something the other day because we were talking about the Padres payroll. And meanwhile, the Mets say hold my beer <laughs> or my Gatorade or Prime. I think the kids are in the Prime now. Have you seen that drink? Yeah. Is that, is that the Jake Paul drink? I don't know. I don't. Come on, man. Pop culture. <laughs> It's not my strong suit. It is. Oh, Logan Paul. I'm sorry. One of those Pauls. I knew it was a Paul. Uh, And KSI. So including taxes and penalties, do you know what the Mets' projected payroll is? Um, Including taxes and penalties. Projected payroll. I don't know. What? So I'll give you within... Forty million. Oh wow! Oh, thank you. That's generous. Uh, projected payroll. 
I'll give you within 50 million. Give me give me 280. Shane, the projected payroll with taxes and Four penalties. 465. Wow. You you oh, cracked me. What are the up. taxes on that? High. It's got to be it's got to be 120 30 mil. Well, so 280 would make sense for the salary of the players. Yeah. It's well, it's got to be north of that. Well, what did you say? Because you said the because pod, the Padres oh, you said are like 65. I'm yes. sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. So yeah, it would be north of 280. It'd be a little over because the Padres are over 300, right? And just payroll. I mean, that's. Sheesh. that's but Jesus. he, but he is, he is right, the richest owner in baseball. And the and Mets you can do that. And the Mets have gone out. You can do that and spent. We we should. Uh, we got to catch up and get what he's doing with the, Met, the Mets are over. We're going to get the light skin guy on, and we'll talk Mets expectations. The light skin guy, severe. Oh, <laughs> <It's> like, <what? laughs> he hates when I call him that. We'll talk why he hates the NBA. The Mets expectation. You two can have a segment on why you hate the NBA. Hey, we should also get Jim Duquette on, and I'll give you his not, information. Not, not to be confused with Dan. No, Jim Duquette, former front office. Oh yeah, a guy for the uh, Orioles. Yeah. And, and John Larkett. He man. was with the Mets, he, I think, too, at one point. He's doing a reboot. You think and, we can and, get him away from night court? And why quarterbacks need to feel comfortable and not have competition. <laughs> right? I mean, the Sims and Rayola. You know, remember that, that hypothetical that I put out on Twitter last week that I, I just kind of like said openly during the break? I said, hypothetically, if Jeff Sims lights up the world yeah. and goes 8-4, and four, wins a bowl game, yeah. but they also get Rayola, yeah, what do you uh, do next season? Yeah, I, do you, I, do I you start Sims, sit Rayola, or uh, do you start Rayola because you don't want to lose uh, him? I, I remember. And the amount of responses I got on that about, first off, the NFL was never like in, in conversation, right? I never said, like, you get to go to the NFL. Okay. I said, here's the hypothetical. And everyone's like, well, I bet he'd go to the NFL. I'm like, well, that's... Not what I was asking, uh, but a good thought. But then I also said, like, well, like if you go to the NFL, oh, how shoot. many quarterbacks at eight and four go to the NFL and like produce? Unless Jeff Sims looks like Lamar Jackson coming out of college. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I said that, and, and then, what do those two have in common? Nothing other than they're both black. No, they have speed. They have oh. a lot of speed. Yeah, Sims isn't Sims isn't L Jack though. Not even close. But Jeff Sims can move. Yeah. He can cook it. Don't let the smooth he's, skin fool you. Hey, he's got great awareness on the ground. Come on. Oh, wow. Come on. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk to Ron Higdon. A little state championship wrestling here in town. That's next on Coffee and Cream. While we're waiting on a call back from Ron Higdon, the assistant director of the NSAA. I'd like to take a moment and tell you about Dingman's, Dingman's Collision Center. They have been DB's best friend for the last week. Yeah. And uh, see, him, see him again tomorrow. Let's just say he's been going to one of the four locations. 120th and in Maple. Not only have they treated him so well when he was there, but remember what happened last night. Or last, I'm sorry, not last night, yesterday morning, when Darcy came in with cookies. He's brought cookies. To say, like, hey, like, you're going to need this after changing two tires. <laughs> leave, leave, leave it to Zoe to say, hey, are they soft? They are. And, they I, and, I, and I gave her the Shane line. 
ooh, they're doughy in the middle. <laughs> and I was like, it's look like at you critiquing doughy yep. in the middle of cookies. Doughy Zoe, right? Uh, and if you need to go to Dingman's because you have a problem with your car, like I said, they have four in the Metro, but they also have that standalone at 120th and Maple. It's their mechanical shop. They've been in the business for 25 years. We support local. Local are our people. We're big in the community, and so are they. They have a give back program, too, that you can participate in. Everything is right over at Dingman's. Uh, Dingman's Collision Center, if you have uh, any car needs for the future. Let's change gears. We're talking to Ron Higdon now. Ron is the assistant director of the NSAA. Ron, good morning. Good morning. Hey, big guy. Good morning. How are you? Damon, I'm doing well. How are you, bud? Good, good, good. Ron, kind of a loaded week for you. I mean, this is the week that that you prepare for. Uh, I know you prepare for the whole season, but let, let's just say state championships is where it really gets uh, – where you get down and dirty into it all. Um, you know, wrestling is always such a well-put-together state championship. Uh, every, every state wrestling championships that I've covered in the past have always been so well structured. I mean, what gets you excited about this year in particular? Um, well, every year is a little bit different and we try to, um, do the best we can to make something different and make it a little bit more exciting every year. Um, we have new ideas and, and then that becomes difficult because once you throw, go through the gamut a couple of times, you're trying to think of new ways to make it better is difficult. But, uh, just the turn of, you know, in a four year span, you have all new people. Uh, all new wrestlers, and for a lot of them, it's going to be uh, the highlight of their high school athletic career. So us being able, being able to be a part of that and give them something special makes it kind of exciting for me personally. A lot of pros and cons in the wrestling community, right? It's a tight-knit group, and everybody knows everybody, and that's cool, right? But it's a tight-knit group, and everybody knows everybody. So you get a lot of feedback because – you kind of being the grand poobah, the mayor, if you will, that everybody likes. <laughs> a lot of people are in your ear, right? Let's do duels like this. Let's rank like this. Let's factor in head-to-head. Let Everybody has ideas and suggestions <laughs> for the boss. I, I got to know. I, I get it because you're even-keeled and your temperament's cool, but... How much of the fact that you were so good at wrestling, you're well-versed, it, it, it's your baby, allows you to have a good filter so you can establish some boundaries? <laughs> you know, I think that's a good way to put it. I have uh, some experience in, in all assets. I mean, my entire professional career has been surrounded by wrestling in one form or another. So I'm very fortunate to do something that I love. Um, that doesn't mean that I'm not that I don't have open ears because a lot of the stuff that I've been able to um, make happen has come from other people's ideas. Mm. So I don't necessarily like discourage people from telling me that there's times where we spend a lot of time and energy making schedules and coming up with format and stuff like that. And then somebody, you know, seven months down the road looks at it for about five minutes and says, well, what you should have done at that, <laughs> that right there makes me, uh, turn it off, you know, but, but we, I mean, we put a lot of effort into it. I mean, we, I have committees, uh, bounce things off of uh, coaches who are in the trenches, administrators who, who administer their coaches and even superintendents 
that oversee the administrative of everything and try to get perspective from all of it just so that I have a, a balanced look, outlook on what we do moving forward, particularly with the girls. You know, great point. <laughs> Ron, uh, you know. This guy's put together stories, and he covered oh it in goodness. Iowa yeah. where people think they do it better than anyone. That is. That nudge, is, nudge, wink, wink. That is correct. <laughs> I did cover it in Iowa. I'm not going to say they do it better than everyone, though. Uh, but I did a story about two years ago about just the growth of girls wrestling in high schools. And one school I focused on in my previous life was South Sioux City. And um, at the time, the program was very small, but now they're mighty. You know, the number one team in the rankings. It's impressive to see how rapidly that program grew, but not just that, girls wrestling as a whole since I first put together that story. How impressive is it to you that in just a couple of years of being sanctioned, that girls wrestling is becoming more and more popular? Well, I, I knew that it was going to be big. It was a national trend. I, I wanted to make sure that Nebraska wasn't the last one to turn out the lights. So we got it sanctioned, and from that point, it has exceeded expectations at every turn. It exceeded expectations in number of girls participating, number of schools registering, number of teams, and the quality of girls. The other thing that I don't think people understand is the demographic that we're hitting. The, the kids that are competing in rest, on girls wrestling, we're not stealing them necessarily from basketball or anything. It's girls that weren't participating in sometimes anything else. Right. So giving those opportunities point. is fantastic for us. That's, that meets our mission, giving opportunities to kids. So when we look at, uh, and South Sioux City is a great example, um, South Sioux City has a, a a large contingency of Hispanic uh, girls. Uh, yes, they do. They're a whole enrollment, but they have taken those girls and, and given them an opportunity to compete in a sport that that now it's a big thing for them. And and they're power, I mean, they're becoming a power. They're tough. They're going to be tough to beat. Grand Island is the same way. I mean, they they've really they've got numbers that are unmatched. I mean, they have like sixty girls come out for wrestling. It's it's fantastic. And again, I don't think that we're necessarily taking them from anything else. We're, we're just giving opportunities to new, new faces, which is awesome. Well, you know, a big piece of that story, too, was, uh, you know, girls practicing with the guys because the programs weren't big enough to have two girls going head-to-head with one another at the time. And I know that's kind of been like a topic of conversation, you know, in the past of like, hey, do girls face guys? Yeah, two and, years and, ago, people were sitting out, remember, Ron, at the state tournament. Yeah. Now they've got their own baby. Right. You remember that? Yes. 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 Yeah, so, like, all well, the. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go. <clears throat> I was going to say, the. No one. Back in the day when girls were having to wrestle guys, no one liked it. The girls didn't like it. The guy, it was a no win for the guys. Uh, coaches didn't like it. Parents didn't like it, and certainly school administrators didn't like it. The fact that we gave the opportunity for girls to compete against girls only was a huge step to, pro- to progress. We started two years ago. Before the sanction, we had about 300 girls that were competing in the state. Last year, we were around 700. This year, we're over 1,200, about 1,252. And that number is going to continue to grow. We had 197 schools register for girls wrestling this last year, when you had the co-ops and, and the ones that registered that ended up not having teams, we ended up with 147 teams. So the growth is is going to continue. I think that that 
the first five years is going to be your largest growth. Um, it'll the first three years are going to be the biggest jumps, and then the last two years they say are, are, are going to continue to grow. But we're looking at you know fantastic numbers. Brian, let me get you out of here on this up against it a little, but along those lines, officiating. I've watched this a long time. I saw two hand calls in consecutive matches in Big Ten this last weekend. One was with Pinto, the other with a guy from Michigan. And I and speaking with the girls, officiating is it's a it's a it's a problem in all sports. But as the the wrestlers get more explosive, they're bigger, stronger, faster. I'm looking at Tyson Terry, Joel Adams, these guys, they're doing things I'm not accustomed to seeing. And now, just talking with Coach Mulligan, watching Piper and Barber and, and Rossiter the other day, they're starting officials are starting to officiate it a lot like boys where you don't get as near the leniency how has officiating grown with the popularity and the demand of both genders doing both sports well i mean we we are in need of officials obviously and we have um a large group of guys that have been officiating for quite a few quite a few years and the quality of girls is not equal to the guys yet i mean as a whole yeah. the depth but there's some <laughs> Some surprisingly exciting girls to watch wrestle, man. They are technique-wise, their drilling is—it's exciting for somebody that's been wrestling my whole life. I—I I used to not even think I would like watching girls wrestling, but I—I I, I like watching them. They're explosive, just like the boys. On the officiating side, uh, we're always trying to recruit new ones, and we had four or five female officials for the first time in the last two years. And we are cultivating them. We're giving them some mentorship and trying to build those numbers. I guess my to answer your question, as the girls get better, they're going to start to be officiated more like the boys also. Mm. But with that, we're going to have a new group of key people coming in to be officials that are going to see the girls from the, get, from the day they start. They're going to see the girls and the way they wrestle. And we have to do a good job of making sure that we're mentoring them and keeping them. Our goal is to keep those officials in the first three years. We had 52 first-year officials in wrestling this year. We're making an extra effort to reach out to every one of them and make sure that uh, they had everything that they needed. Did they have contacts? Did they have somebody that could help them get assignments? Did they have somebody that could help them mentor them? Uh, we're making a conscious effort. And our supervisor officials right now, Nate Newhouse, is knocking it out of the park. He's putting so much effort into it. It's fantastic. So we'll see where it goes, but we're always trying to grow. We almost said I'll win a whole segment without saying anything good about Newhouse. Darn it. (laughs) 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 Thanks, Rob. Best wishes with this upcoming week. Give John Dolliver and those guys my best. I will. Thank you for having me, guys. Hey, thanks, Ron. And thank you for joining us. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal coming your way later this afternoon on Hale Varsity Radio. We'll see you tomorrow on Coffee and Cream.